Sunday night I'd watch the practice with none of my friends I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends But I'm out of practice With your host, Keith Varney Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. Uh, Twigs, this is why I can't play Xbox right now. I'm podcasting. I mean, he's four years old, folks. Four years old. (laughs) Out of practice. And welcome to the Out of Practice podcast, a weekly podcast in which we discuss David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. I am here talking to you about season six, episode five, Vanished, part two. And I just sent a proof of life video to my good friend Derek, who texted me while the intro was playing, hey, do you want to play Xbox? And uh, this is proof that I'm not blowing him off. Well, <laughs> <laughs> one fruitless endeavor for another. <laughs> Truly, yeah. I, I mean, certainly uh, it, it is an, an equal value of time. Yeah. For, I, well, words. Oh, God. Words. I'm tired. I don't now, know what's Keith, happening. We promised the people today was going to be a better day than last did week. Did we? So, well, yes, I mean, I did. to be clear, yeah, you promised that you would be better. I made no promises whatsoever. I, frankly, could be much, much worse. And, uh, you know, nobody could fault me because I made no promises. I bring the same mediocrity every single week. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. So how's it going, Mike? Uh, you know, it's going well. Uh, it's, you know, uh, it's been a week, as always. Uh, we're yeah. here on the weekend. It's It was an evening. Uh, I had my uh, brother and good friend Ron over for uh, WrestleMania, which we will discuss a little bit later, Keith. <laughs> oh, are we going to discuss it? Okay. Yeah, we are. Uh, we are going to discuss it. Uh, this morning, Jen went out to Long Island to see her family. She's, uh, I oh, guess nice. it's official now, so I can say... She's gonna be doing our, and actually, you can speak to your wife as well. Our wives are taking the first step out of pandemic. Uh, they both yes. have gigs coming up, so uh, in person, like with people, live performances. Yeah, so, is she doing on the steps of the gig? Is that is that she's official? doing on the steps of the gig in a in a bizarre, once again, things syncing up with the podcast. We mm-hmm. jokey joked all episode about Into the Woods last episode. And Jen just booked it. She's going to go out and sing the show, uh, one of Sondheim's masterpieces, uh, as Cinderella in uh, Ridgefield, Connecticut, uh, performing to 50% occupancy uh, at either the Ridgefield Symphonic or the Ridgefield Playhouse, something like that. I, 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 don't, I don't know that I'm going to go, but I'm going to maybe think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, wherever it is, Connecticut, Ridgefield, some combination of the sort, 
congratulations, Jen. Ooh. You will be magnificent in that role. Like that, she is going to crush it. I mean, goodness gracious, what a voice to uh, do that role. So that's exciting. So anyway, she's going to do that. Uh, she hasn't left yet, but she's going to see her family before she goes off to do it. Yada, yada. So I'm home alone. I've got to fend for myself. Uh, wow. You might so have to get your morning. own snacks so that you can eat yes. loudly on air. So I just started playing PlayStation. I actually, Keith, this week had a very long text thread with friend of the show, Phoenix Cage. Did you? Yeah, he got he got himself a, a Quest 2 virtual headset. VR. Oh, interesting. And so we we were going back and forth about oh so many topics, uh, video games, microdosing LSD, uh, <laughs> depression, uh, all kinds of stuff. Uh, I mean, uh, we we have that we have that text conversation every day minus the LSD. Yes, that's very very true. Uh, he was just, he discussed his. Uh, I just talked about a little bit about the vaccine. He talked a little bit about. Uh, I don't really want to share. I, 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 I'm not sure it's all sanctioned, but he's got a really crazy kind of immune system. He was talking about how he things he like. Uh, hmm. Morning, weekend. What is it called <laughs> when you get put under for surgery? Anesthet anesthesia. Anesthesia. Mm. Wait, I should I should have just let you. Uh... Yeah, that was going down <laughs> bad. Uh, he like it does. He doesn't respond well to it. He like is one of those people who. Well, mm. you know, I'll let him write on YouTube, and and, and I won't. Just talk about our text thread on the air, but anyway, it was nice to, to chat with a friend of the show, and uh, it's you know that's what's been going on. What about what's going on in your neck of the woods? Oh boy! Well, you know it's a rainy Sunday. Uh, uh, Charlie is sitting in his room. We call it his room now, the okay. window well, uh, and he's protected from the rain, so he doesn't even know that it's raining, except for there's it's his uh, roof is wet. Is there, uh, is oh, there a wait. bumper you want to you want to pull? Oh, right oh sorry. Now, real quick. We have tried for years to make this podcast a success. We failed. It's time to give the world what it wants. Meow, meow. Hot cat content. Meow, meow. Hot cat content. Meow, meow. Hot cat content. Woo! What a bad yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I, I realized I completely ripped off um, uh, Go the Distance. Oh, my God. That's exactly what I was thinking. I didn't want to say it out loud to encourage uh, Disney to come after us. But no, no, I, no I, I didn't. I didn't mean to. I realized it soon after that. I that's literally homage. just. Oh, my it Right. We're going to go the distance with cat content. <laughs> I actually couldn't place the tune. So I'm glad you mentioned it. Well, it's it's not the chorus. It's it's the uh, it's the verse. I have often found yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Really I fun. mean, it, it's, it's just four notes. five one. Three notes it's, of seven, buddy. Three notes it's, of it's seven. Four possible. five one. That's it. I mean, when you're writing a jingle, you're not like going on like Enough super expansive. Charlie, is he happy? Is he comfortable? What is rain? Well, it, it, Charlie, Charlie's perfectly happy. Although he does, uh, we do have a new nightly uh, excitement. And that is, there is a local cat, a big, fat, orange cat that now uh, every night terrorizes Charlie mm -hmm. by sitting under the bush in front of our house next to Charlie's room. And Charlie's like, what the fuck, dude? You're on my property. Get out of here. And he just sort of like bangs his tail against the window until mm -hmm. I go out the front door and I'm like, Dude, 
I love all cats. I wish you could come in here and be my friend, but right now you're bugging the shit out of my cat. So please go to the next bush. Uh, so that is a a, a nightly thing. Here. We have to deal with the orange cat bothering Charlie. Yeah, we got a couple out, out our window too that the cats are uh, mesmerized by. Uh, this the only time my cats are nice to each other is when the uh, nutball cats are out and they have to like be a team. Well, and I, it's... Uh, I wasn't quite sure because Charlie, he gets so excited when there's a cat. And I wasn't sure, like, is this, do they want to be friends? Do they want to eat the cat? What's going on? I looked it up online, and unfortunately, it is sort of like a territorial thing. And it yeah, I think they want to either fight or bang. I think that's the only thing cats really yeah, are like it's, thinking about. There, it, it is like sort of stressful for them to deal with neighborhood cats. So, which is why I, you know, welcome the cat Googled to it, go though. to the next. Glad we're on top of it. Yeah, no, we are totally on it here with uh, Cat Dads, Cat Dads here on the Out of Practice podcast. All right, well, uh, let's move forward. Oh, we're just, okay, yeah, we should do a show. Let's let's um, do a show. Every once in a while, we should talk about ourselves for only like 90 minutes out of our two-hour show, mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, more than that. And let's uh, do a little segment we call Filings and Subpoenas. You know, it almost well, sounds like you're saying filings and some penis. Maybe I am. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I defended you. I want you to know. I had a, Did you? It wasn't an argument, but it like almost turned into an argument. Oh, no. Um, uh, spoiler alert. Keith's going to sing something for us. Brief little piece a little bit later in the show. Now, Keith has very good operatic plosive diction. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So it's very clear to me what he's saying. Um, okay. In fact, I'm going to spoil it. What Keith is saying is, what's my motherfucking name? Okay. Yes, what is my motherfucking yes. name? Yes. But Jen kept saying- There are no contractions in Jen, opera. Jen kept saying, why is he saying, what's my mother's fucking name? <laughs> and I was like, well, he's not saying that. She's like, yes, he is. So Keith, we played that back 10 times. And I was like, he's just giving you that, that F, come on. Finally, I, I let the record show, I, I won because, you know, I was right. But I want you to know we we went back and forth with it quite a bit. She was like, "What? he's saying mother's fucking name. And I was like, he's not saying that. I know what he's saying because I, I told him what to say. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I, I totally get it because when you're, especially in opera diction, you're, you're objective is to uh, sort of blend all of the words together. Mm-hmm. So you're not saying, what is my mother fucking name? It's what is my mother fucking name? And so you're you're sort of, it, it is intentionally sort of uh, mixed up together. So I totally get it. I, I tell you what, when you said that, I was like, oh God. So, so here's a window into my neurotic brain, folks. <laughs> So please enjoy this little peek into my sad neurotic brain. So uh, last week, I made the joke, uh, parroting children will listen. And I said, children will decompose because we were making a... uh... (laughs) (laughs) And for the entire week, and I'm like, you know, oh God, that's so dark. And like, it's it's a joke that 
would be perfectly appropriate in uh, our Murder, She Wrote parody, which will be coming someday when the pandemic is done to an off-Broadway theater near off-Broadway. Uh, it's the type of joke that would be perfectly appropriate there, but I'm like, oh boy, that's really dark in this context in a more like serious context. I'm like, oh God, what if somebody's gone through that and I'm a monster and I'm a terrible person? So I thought for a second, oh God, Jen was like, that guy's a monster. That is uh, that that cheap, dark joke that I just threw out in the middle of nowhere. Could have ruined what a it. blossoming friendship that is just really... I'm, yeah, I, I, honestly, Jen, I believe our friendship has blossomed. Thank you. But yes. Yeah, that's... Uh, anyway, that is the window into my neurotic Tell brain. Us. Let's... Let, let, yeah, yeah let's, about let's who, hear uh, from some of the neurotic brains of uh, our friends and listeners. All right, so on uh, on the YouTube's moderator Phoenix Cage wrote, and again, this is two episodes back, so we are commenting on season three, uh, season six, episode three, Liars Poker, and he said, Keith, I'm surprised you mentioned the lawyer played by Richard Cox without citing any of his credits. Not even that he played Kirill Finn, the terrorist who abducted Dr. Crusher in the very political episode of TNG. Uh, yes, I guess I didn't. I wrote it down, but I, I didn't, uh, didn't mention it. And Mike, you were even more derelict in your duty, and you let the name Richard Cox go by without making any dick jokes and that was our sexy episode folks yeah that's true that that's a double zing i mean dick cox during our sexy episode and you did nothing some would say i blew it in fact i think phoenix said that i think i just stole that joke but it's my podcast (laughs) (laughs) uh i was trying i was trying to force like a a foresight foreskin joke but it, it didn't happen it's too early in the morning Anyway, Phoenix continued to say, I it's can't believe... It's, it's, it's noon. Shut but, up. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not having a great weekend, folks. Uh, Phoenix continued to say, I can't believe you guys couldn't guess my favorite Van Damme film. You even you couldn't named believe it. it. He couldn't believe that we couldn't I, guess his favorite Van Damme film. Well, there is a logic to it. He says, you even named it last week when reading the guest credits. And Keith, no, not Kick Puncher. That was the fictional B-movie <laughs> series that Troy and Abed watched in Community. And actually, yes, I know, I made that joke on purpose. God, Community uh, was so good. So good. And, and uh, yeah, it's amazing. But, of course, he was talking about Time Cop. Time Cop, which uh, certainly was one of my favorites. I remember renting it on VHS with me and my buddies. And there was... Uh, what, the, there was that scene with um, what's his name, the guy from uh, guy from Boston Public, having his like that sort of like dirty VR, and I was like, when I was thirteen, I was like, yeah, that's amazing. All right, not funny. Only if only I was going to do a podcast about Boston Public. If only oh, no. no 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 no, I'm thinking different show. Denny Crane is uh, Boston Legal. Boston Legal. Yeah, totally yes. different. We're gonna the get same. there. We're, we, we might get there. Well, we'll see. We'll see. It, unless we end up doing the Ally McBeal reboot, which we're not going to do. There's an Ally McBeal reboot? We, talk, we literally talked about it on air like two episodes ago, that there was some rumors that there was going to be an Ally McBeal. Oh, yeah. No, I don't even remember you reminding me. Jogging no memory. 
Amazing. So uh, continuing on, we actually got tagged this morning. It's not quite a filing and subpoena because it wasn't directly to us. But uh, founding sponsor Jorge Novoa posted something fascinating on Instagram. And that was he's watching an old episode of The Practice the pra- where the episode where they find the head in the bag. Uh, remember from, from way back, I think it was season two. Two. And he said uh, he was watching that episode and started getting ads for bags. He says, I'd like to thank Instagram for eavesdropping on an old episode of The Practice I had on promptly suggesting a bag better suited for my head carrying needs. That is the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. And I don't mean the decapitated head in a bag. That's not the scary part. Scary part is the algorithm. Our phones are listening to us. That is terrifying. Brief aside, stop me if you've heard this one, but Jen one time was planning a bachelor party for her 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 buddy uh, Jeff and mm-hmm. uh, used my Amazon Prime. And so for weeks I was getting uh, advertisements for gummy bear dicks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, at least that makes a little bit more sense. Like sure. you actually typed it into the internet. I assume anything I type into the internet, my mom reads. Uh but like this was like literally listening through his phone. That's just uh that's grim. Well, look, if you would like to tell us what the internet has been listening to in your life, you can reach us at out of practice podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on social media at out of practice podcast on Facebook and Instagram, or you can leave a comment right below. Here on the YouTubes, we all will be grateful to hear from you. And uh, while we're talking about hearing from us, you can do us a giant favor and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other streaming service of your choice. Just let us know. We will happily read your comments. It doesn't have to be five stars. It can be one star and you say we're garbage. Doesn't matter. We welcome you to the jury because we are you are a jury of our peers and most yeah. of our peers don't like us. That's, That's what's we, we accept that we've integrated that into our life experience. And we would be very grateful if you did that. Now, moving forward, uh, Mike has a lot to say possibly about what he was watching last night in our loudest segment entitled. Keith's not wrong. We haven't done more TV in a little while, so I thought we would discuss some of what we've been watching uh, mm-hmm. outside of the practice. And now that I'm fully into the Hulu, I am tempted every time I pull up the Hulu screen to watch the practice without you, Keith. <laughs> How it, dare you, sir? But Jen, every time gets... Am I going to get to see you talk? I'm just looking at the more TV logo. Uh-oh. No, it definitely swapped. Um, Have you got me on the preview? I didn't think so. I mean, I made a beautiful logo here. I cut out all the pictures, put them into the uh, the TV screens. I even put a little Gaussian blur to make it more realistic. Oh, there we go. Hey, yeah, Mike. I'm here. I, I think that was only for you. I think, oh. uh, I'll, but that's okay. No one will have heard that because I will have cut it all out of the edit. No, um, eh, sometimes I get I get antsy since we're ahead. Anyway. Here's what I was saying. We've been yeah. watching a lot of the screens. Uh, Jen gets viscerally mad at me every time I threaten to watch the practice without Keith. How dare you, sir? 
so I, I've picked a selection of things. I've been watching a lot of things, but I've just picked a selection I'd like to discuss. Um, I'd like to begin with a little something we both watched so you can enjoy, Keith. Uh, that's not it. Where did I just put it? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. Uh, things were going mm, so well. Here we go. Mm. The first thing I want to discuss, stalling. Stalling, 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 stalling is a little show, an event we like to call <laughs> WrestleMania. Ah, uh, yes. Night one. Now, mm, mm. I've been, me and Keith, we've discussed this. Uh, I've, I used to watch wrestling a lot as a kid. We watched it in the 80s, the Hulk Hogan sure. era. Then mm -hmm. we got really back into it, my brother and I, in the 90s attitude era. Then my brother went through a whole process of coming up in the minor leagues, if you will, and mm -hmm. working with the Wild Samoans and being a trainer for WWE and appearing in some dark matches and then a boarding, a boarding mission and uh, becoming a principal. And But he's still really invested in the business, and so I, I like to watch with him because you get a lot of fun stories, and you get a lot, we, we talk sure. a lot about the psychology and stuff, but at the end of the day, it really is just, you know, like fake, pretend, beat em up wrestling action figures. You know, that's really what it is, but live. This held a little bit more uh, significance because it's one of the major, you know, MLB is having audiences come back, the NFL did it, relatively successfully the super bowl was this is in the same stadium as a super bowl this is the first time in a year a month and a day that they were live wrestling fans they had i think like fifteen thousand people there it, right. it felt full it was pouring rain but they did it anyway and it was kind of cool i mean i i don't really follow the product anymore so i didn't really know what was happening or who was what but i thought it was neat to see how excited the performers were. It was very uh, indicative, I think, how we'll all feel when we get back to work. Yeah, sure. And uh, so that was that was cool. And I thought the event was 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 neat. Uh, I, it's hard not to watch and think in the back of your mind, like, who's wearing a mask? Look, those people aren't wearing a mask. Oh, it's outside. It's the you know, it's Florida. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Right. But uh, you have even less context of of. Contemporary I, I wrestling. So, what was your what were your feelings? Well, I I watched part of it, and I it's it's interesting. I sort of got interested in that world through a couple of documentaries that I watched mainly about the like eighties and nineties era wrestling folks, and I got really sucked in by Mick Foley. Mm -hmm. And his, uh, because he, as a person, is a very interesting, intelligent guy. His book um, is great, too. I, I read his book and and watched, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that he does. And then watching this incredibly compassionate, interesting, kind guy go out and just get, like, blown up in Japan and just like horrible things happening to him. And that is sort of his life and the, and the sort of mixture between reality and fantasy. And especially in that era, I, you know, watching WrestleMania to last night, it was like, Oh, this is sort of like the kid version of it where it's more silly than anything else. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah. it, it, it's remarkably good, um, you know, uh, stage combat. Yeah, but there's no reality to it really. The characters are so silly 
and the whole setup is is so kind of ridiculous, it, it, it doesn't mean it's not entertaining. And it doesn't mean that it's not a remarkable display of talent. But it's not quite the same thing as what the era that I watched. I got, I got obsessed with The Dark Side of the Ring Mm-hmm. as well um fantastic documentary series and you know i don't I, I don't give a shit about professional wrestling but i really like the the theatricality of it and the blending of of fake and real and these people and their relationships behind the scenes i find very fascinating the mm-hmm. um it, because you have the especially back in the kayfabe era where they were pretending that it was real you had these people who are like good friends in real life mm-hmm. who would go out there and like beat each other to death with steel chairs and barbed wire and bleed and knock their teeth out. And then they'd, you know, go out to dinner afterwards, but they had to hide it because they weren't, they were, you know, one was the heel, one was the baby face. They weren't allowed to talk to each other. Uh, so I don't know, like the, the whole artifice of it all is fascinating. And then of course you have like the, uh, like the real life and fake supervillain of the McMahons. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's really interesting because it's one of those things where, especially the theatricality is that, you know, a lot of the times some, some there are people who are, there are men, women who are very good at this craft. And yeah. that's not just doing moves and being charismatic. That's no. also selling it when you're getting your ass beat. But really, that's mostly you doing the work. And like last night, there was a, a performer, Bad Bunny, who is apparently a musician that I was not really aware of giant musician but international superstar but i'm an asshole and didn't know that Uh, i don't pay attention i guess and you know he obviously is not a wrestler but they made him look like he knew what he was doing and that's just a tribute to those guys another thing i've always found fascinating we're going to get off this topic quickly don't worry is he talked about kayfabe and there was one character who just kind of retired the undertaker after 30 plus years right and that's a guy who was so committed to his what he did, his character that he stayed in character for thirty plus years. You never yeah. saw an interview with him out uh, out of character. You never saw him out of character. He had no social media presence. I mean, right. talk about just commitment. And there's many guys who are like that. Another thing I'll say about the WWE, whether you're interested about it or not, they do promotional packages better than any sport, the NFL Network, anything. Their their media team is flawless. The hype packages they put together are insane. What they can do, it. it in fact, no. I just I find that to be really uh, no. Impressive. It, it it is it is its own very unique art form. Mm-hmm. This the the whole thing is this fascinating art form, and uh, I I don't know. Like I I find like the people who who follow it are interesting mm-hmm. and why they follow it and all the different ways you can follow it. The passion and about a fake thing they have. It's you're right. It is. It's hard to explain. It's like watching Carney's work. It's very. No. And I, you know what? I think that's exactly what it is. It's very much a carnival sort of atmosphere. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's a, I don't know. I, I, it's I I wrote it off. I blew it off as just nonsense my entire life. But I don't care. like the actual product. I don't find that interesting. But yeah. behind the scenes and how it's created and what that world is, I do find a little fascinating. So uh, 
Anyway, uh, good docs to to watch. Um, what's Beyond that the famous? Beyond the Beyond Mat. The mat. Um, uh, Dark Side of the Ring is a docu-series you might be interested great. in. I think it's on Hulu. Uh, it, uh, it is on Hulu, yeah. And uh, there's Mick Foley's book is called... Is called Have a Nice Day. Have a Nice Day. That's worth a read. So start there. And yeah. if you, you know, you can get a free trial for Peacock and check out Night 2. Night 2 is going to be even bigger Peacock. than Night 1. And you get to see one of their coolest new characters who's sort of like the 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 new Undertaker. His name is The Fiend. He's this devil character. He's played by the Ooh. guy Bray Wyatt. And it's pretty cool what they got with him. So it's worth checking that out. Just well, and, 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 and character, again, if you're not in this world, you probably skipped through this, but like character is, is the right word for that because yeah. again, the guy who I'm obsessed with, Mick Foley had three completely different major characters that he played throughout his career that we were, as the audience were supposed to accept, we're not the same person oh, and, yeah. and, and we're not. And and of course, like so, we're we're supposed to think that mankind and Cactus Jack and Dude Love are three completely different people. And yet, there's also this little wink where he had a night where he played all three characters in the same night. Well, they eventually, like when the, when we got into the the more contemporary era where it was they called Smarks, where people were sort of in on it. There was no more kayfabe. They sort of tried it at storyline where he had a fractured personality, where he was all ah. three. But then you know, like Kane used to be this burnt brother of the undertaker the thing is is that it's like when they just replace characters on tv you just kind of go with it your suspension of disbelief it's, is assumed no it's basically gray's anatomy with yeah. fake fighting <laughs> yeah yeah that's this the this most strained analogy maybe ever used but moving, it's totally true like they go on forward, forever and ever it's a soap opera they're constantly say, changing people out you see how keith came back to wrestling he left and then came back that segues perfectly into another return that I find pretty fascinating and I'd like to discuss with everyone. Oh. I used to love me some Law & Order SVU, but after Ooh. many, many years of basically the same episode every time, <laughs> um, Elliot Stabler and Olivia Benson parted ways. Uh, they were the partners that everybody loved to... On SVU. It, on SVU to analyze their relationship and what made them each tick and she was so methodical and he was such a loose cannon and eventually he just left uh, as Maloney left the show they wrote Benson off the show or uh, Stabler off the show he never really got any clarity as to what was happening just that he kind of took off well he's back baby there was a crossover event you know we love a crossover event Keith a two episode crossover event uh, on either show because Maloney also is coming back to NBC with his own Law & Order spinoff Law and Order Organized Crime. Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. wanted to watch it just because I love me the Elliot, Elliot Stabler character. I just think it's it's so ridiculous. He's such a ridiculous character, this hard-boiled <laughs> detective. But okay. also, uh, Maloney doesn't do anything that isn't 1,000% committed. So it, he makes it work for the most part. I mean, it's ridiculous. But what's awesome is that he, he didn't want to come back to... I did some reading. He didn't want to come back to Law and Order in the same sort of law and order archetype. that he, So he, they want, he wanted something different. So what they're doing different with this law and order organized crime is a more serialized nature. And so for the first big bad, I believe it's an eight episode arc, our boy, Dylan yeah. McDermott, is playing like a mobbed up, 
uh, bad guy, but we get to know the bad guy's story. He's not just, I mean, he is totally a caricature, but it's a caricature with a backstory. And he is Massachusetts-chewing the shit out yes. of the scenery. It is, oh, it is glorious. It is just everything we love about Dylan. It's like, take Bobby Donnell, mix him into that crazy guy he played, Dylan played in Hollywood, and then make him a mobster. And it is, it is, it is glorious. It's insane. It is, I don't know if I'm going to stick with it. I mean, I dropped back off of SVU <laughs> after the crossover <laughs> event because SVU is just still the same thing over and over again. Uh, but this has got enough different that it's cool. There's no dun-duns. We cut out the transition oh, stingers. really? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's got a... Because it's more you, serialized, obviously. It's, yes. And the one thing that they're leaning heavily on that I hope they get away from now is something we, we, we mentioned on the practice early on that they got away from is just the continual handheld. Like the shaky handheld all the uh, time. I can't... Yeah. Maybe it's because I'm old and have vertigo, but I just can't deal with it. So hopefully they get away from that. You have old to go. I've old to go. Okay, so uh, one yeah, more well, thing on I, television. Oh, go wait, ahead. Wait, wait, before we move that. on from Law and Order, I have I have two things to say about that. One, uh, I met our neighbors behind the house, and one of their uh, and their son, I believe, is a writer on Law oh. and Order. So Which I was one? like, or do they all work together on, on SVU? Okay. He's, he's been a writer on SVU for a while. I'm like, hey, I was. I wonder if he wrote Jillian's episode. But beyond that, I'm like, you know, I've got a spec. So I went back and I read my SVU spec, which I never sent anywhere. So I might start catapulting it over the fence yeah, uh, as we're like, going. Yeah, I like it. Uh, uh, a, a spec for those listening are a, a is a a script you write for a running show that they're not going to use. It's just sort of an example of how you can write. Uh, but beyond that, uh, I completely realized I, I should go back to Fonz and Subpoenas, but I think I can make this work. You said. Dylan McDermott is back, baby. Well, our good friend, Jorge Navoa, you mentioned that comes from Leisure Suit Larry. He went back and he found the actual clip. Yeah, baby. So thank you, Jorge, for finding the actual clip you were referencing there. And, uh, and actually on that, oh, God. Oh, oh God. That's okay. Uh, Phoenix said that Leisure Suit Larry was his first PC game. He played the original on pre-Windows IBM 386 in 88. I had a 386. Don't mm -hmm. you worry. But I only made it as far as Leisure Suit Larry 3. So anyway, it's all coming together. It's all coalescing. All right. I love it. Yes, I, I love it. Uh, I, I'll If I can, or maybe Jorge, well, we can pull together the video of because you clicking on one of those little striped dildos and it jumping out and dancing across the screen really added a, some visual flair. Uh, speaking of visual flair, nope, that's not a good segue. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's one more show on the television I'd like to talk about uh, that is a little bit more grounded, let's say, okay. Law and & Order and WrestleMania. And that what, is, more grounded than WrestleMania? What could that be? That is a show called Breeders that I have been hearing people rave about, and I just hadn't. It just I'm not a parent, so I thought, well, oh, maybe I don't know if it's gonna it hit me. Holy mm -hmm. crap! Holy crap! Is this show good? Um, I hate to try to like conceptual or uh, boil it down, but imagine if you will, like a, a it's always sunny kind of vibe. But okay. they're not terrible people. There is actual okay. heart. 
Uh, it's got a, it's got that British office comedic sensibility. It's about these two parents, but they are not glorified in any way, shape, or form. He's got some rage issues. Uh, she's got a really, they do some interesting things in that they have really realistic jobs. He sort of like works at a think tank. The wife here, she an office a, maybe. No, she works at as a sound engineer. So you get to see like her working in really cool booths and and doing uh, sound work and foley oh, work for for movies and stuff. It's it's awesome, and it's just sort of their trials and tribulations. I think there are three seasons, maybe just two. I just started season two. I'm binging through it. The episodes are heartfelt. They are it. They're it's black comedy at, at points. It deals with anxiety. It deals with parenthood. It, it's so many things. I hate to even try to limit it. I give this a hearty recommend. It's on FX, or you can catch up on Hulu, which is what I've been doing. Breeders is like my must-watch recommend for everybody. Okay. So, yes. Now I want to jump in, Keith. I got just a couple more things I want to talk about. Oh, oh my God. Uh, this is a big segment. This is like its own podcast, but <laughs> I've, I've, it's been piling up. When you, Whenever Mike says, I have a more TV, I should like get a sandwich. Yeah, it's a lot. I want to talk quickly because I could have my own podcast about this movie that's getting so much buzz, Promising You a Woman. Keith, have you seen it? I have not. It deals with the trauma of sexual assault, just sort of the general not believing victims, that whole thing that's a cultural movement that's happening. That's what this movie sort of deals with. And so it's getting a lot of buzz and a lot of support from that community. And I, I totally think these are stories we need to hear, truths we need to face. All of that. My biggest issue is that I, I don't think the movie does the things it says it's going to do. It I, I it sort of pitches itself as this sort of like taken revenge fantasy of this woman who's going to go out and right some wrongs. Okay. And it, and it never sort of becomes that, uh, which would be okay if it sort of fooled you and then called an audible. And ha I just feel like it doesn't say the things it, it wants to say. And I, and I don't know. I, I was... Maybe I went in expecting the wrong movie, which is is totally possible. It just it, it just it fell a little short for me, and that disappoints me because I wanted to like, I really wanted it to scratch a certain itch or have a certain thing. But uh, you know, it, it fell a little short for me. But I'd be interested to hear anyone else's opinion, especially those who maybe read it uh, a different way from me and and really enjoyed it. And so I, I'd love to hear that 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 side of the the tale. Last two things, uh, you know, we've been talking about documentaries. I love me some docs. I watched some new music docs. Both are available on HBO, or HBO Max, uh, the Tina documentary and the David Bowie documentary, the last five years. The Tina documentary is awesome. It's so awesome. It's a story you think you know. It's pretty much that story, only now she's telling it, which is Ooh. is the thing that, that you kind of learn from this is that we always frame her about around Ike Turner, and she tried right. her whole life to get away from that, and that's all people want to effing talk about. And so she wanted to take the narrative back, and she, she wanted to tell it from her mouth, which is, I think, a power we took away from her, or the media took away from her, and so she reclaims it here. And I think it's awesome, and it's her way to sort of retire gracefully, because she's an old woman now, obviously cannot perform the way she had. You know, they did. The, she thought the Broadway musical was kind of gonna be her swan song, but that sort of got neutered a little bit because, you know, pandemic. Right. And uh, so It'll this be is, back. yes, uh, this is a, a really, a really good doc. Uh, the David Bowie doc, I love me some David Bowie. 
I love Lazarus. I love David Bowie. I think he would be disappointed in that it feels like a commercial. It feels like a commercial for his last album, uh, uh, which is maybe what it is. But it just felt it. It didn't. It didn't work for me. Uh, and then finally, Keith, I watched <laughs> another documentary that you kind of mentioned earlier when you mentioned going to uh, getting getting that Van Damme movie. Where'd you get that movie? What Kick Puncher? I went. Oh, oh I got it from. Uh... Showtime video in Jericho, mm. Vermont. Wow, that's when they had independent uh, movie rental chains because they all became, at one point, the blockbuster. Yes, indeed. And uh, not the, Vermont. Vermont the irony is not lost on me that Netflix released the documentary The Last Blockbuster. Right. Uh, let me tell you, this documentary, if you're a person of a certain age, uh, in your... 30s, I'd say, 30s up probably. Mm -hmm. And you had the experience of like what a date was, was going to dinner and then to the Blockbuster to rent a movie mm -hmm. to maybe hopefully make out. Uh, right, or if right. you were me and Keith to just get some movies to watch. Yeah. This documentary scratches all the nostalgia itch itches, but it also has the tale to tell, which is an interesting tale. And you get to, to support this actual, it, all, all of the Blockbusters got destroyed through just the natural progression of technology and the Netflix. Right. Uh, except one. And we find out what happens. We count down their last days, potentially. We hear from a bunch of celebrities, like Keith's uh, YouTube show that he'll be on, like a lot of talking heads and people who worked at Blockbusters and people who like have experiences. It's really just a breezy 90 minutes just really awesome. It's like watching the toys that made us. You know, it's it's got that kind of fun right, vibe. Right. Hearty, hearty recommend. Keith, that's all I've been watching. Uh not all <laughs> I've been watching. That's a lot of what I've been watching. Are you sure there isn't something else you could talk about? I'm no. sure there are. I've been also watching this like this weird show called The Practice, which oh, if only oh, there were a podcast. Oh wait. If, <laughs> do we talk about that? Although I it, it, am I right? Or is it like an urban legend? But didn't Blockbuster, the company, turn down an opportunity to purchase Netflix? It gets discussed in this documentary. I'll, I'll, I'll let you watch. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, let us move forward to the practice. No, let's have another segment about <laughs> the, the practice. But I promise I'll be a lot faster. But I have my very own, inspired by uh, this week's Burlington, or in back in time, uh, this week's Burlington Free Press, I did a deep dive and have a segment. Oh, wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. No. Keith, that segment happens during this day in the world, just so you know. Oh, does it? Yeah, so we're going to go, let's go to uh, the basement. Oh, okay. All right. Well, look, I'm, I'm, okay, great. We'll, we'll do that then. So let's hop back into the time machine, back to October 21st, the year 2000. And what? And discuss what happens this day in the basement. October 21st, mm, 2001. Mm, I'll be brief yeah. I'll, so we can jump to you, Keith, and get, get out of this quagmire of long show that I've begun. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I just moved to New York and I'm going to just jump dates a little bit. We, I went to my first ever uh, village Halloween parade at midnight. Uh, on what? Halloween, which is the next week. Uh, you had a Halloween parade in your town? Uh, in New York City? Yes. 
Oh, 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 New York City. Oh, that the village. village. The village. Part. I yeah, yeah, see. Yeah. All right. Okay. I forgot you uh, were already there. Which was really cool. I, I almost pulled the footage, uh, but there's actually a, a documentary that got made about the Village Parade in 2001. This, oh, this, interesting. This, because right, it, it was, was right. It was the first big thing, and it opens with the amazing Cresco. Uh, he was, a, look him up. Uh, he, who We actually talked about him on the show because we talked about a documentary that he was in. And it, he, it opens with him talking about how Halloween was actually invented way back in the day to 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 fight off terrorists uh, by like, oh. putting all these scary costumes. It's a whole thing, and how this this parade that people were gathering in, in mass for the first time since nine eleven really to uh, was a way for, to culturally combat and say that we weren't afraid. It's really kind of moving and powerful. Interesting. I was yeah. there. It was not that culturally significant to me. Uh, I found it to be kind of scary because I hadn't really been amongst that many people uh, being drugged out of their minds. Uh, right. It was, it was in the village. It was that village. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I was doing. Uh, so let's jump to you, Keith. I'm How interested. interesting. All right. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I feel like you should pull up some pictures from that. I bet that Halloween party was was really something. Uh, yeah, all right. Sure. So in October 21st of 2001, here I am again. I have my emails. So here are some things that were happening. Uh, one, rehearsals continued for Transformations, which is coming out soon, forcing me to watch the Giants-Eagles game on tape delay, which mm -hmm. at that point meant I put in a VHS uh, cassette into my VCR, somehow set it up to tape Monday Night Football, and then watched it back later. Uh, also that weekend, uh, my buddies Nate and Greg showed up at my apartment in Rochester without warning. A pop uh, a, in. A, a surprise visit, uh, which I do not like surprise visits. Nobody does. My Nobody no loves a pop in. Nobody does, but that's what happened. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't remember that happening at all. Especially when you already got a plan for the weekend. You're going to watch your game on tape delay. Oh, you got everything planned out. Fuck you. I mean, no, it was so nice. I came all the way out to Rochester. It was like an, was like an eight-hour drive. It was incredibly sweet. But text the dude. Uh, we didn't have text at that point. No, they could have called you collect, I guess. They could have called me. Uh, the other thing that was happening was it was the beginning of the broadcasts of Star Trek Enterprise which uh, I uh, had a hard time finding on TV in Rochester at that point because UPN wasn't a network and it was broadcast on UPN in Rochester. But I found UPN... Was it that long ago? It was 2001. You serious? Enterprise came out. That's right. It feels like it was relatively <laughs> recent. Nope. It was 2020 years oh. ago wow. Enterprise started. Uh, and I could I, I was able to finally find it this week because the UPN primetime shows were showed on an infomercial channel in Rochester. So I was finally able to watch it. And uh, and so you I, I took, did a screenshot of the credits. Uh, the supervising sound editor was, of course, my uncle Jim and uh, my brother, Sean, who a friend of the pod, uh, finally started getting credited for his work on Star Trek, despite the fact that he had done 
six or seven years of Voyager before that, but had not joined the union, so therefore was not credited. You know, we haven't discussed on the episode, on the on the podcast, Keith, is, hmm. is was Sean getting into the business correlated with your uncle, or is it just like a crazy coincidence? Oh, no, very much so. It was, it okay. was definitely, it was, uh, Jim moved to Vermont, um, to sort of like half retire. And, uh, so at that point when they were doing Voyager, they were FedExing tapes, like, uh, like professional VHS, like the SVH or whatever, like literally FedExing back and forth from Vermont to Los Angeles and like waiting on like the tracking number to make sure they got there in time for the mix. It was like super stressful at that point. Um, uh, editing in Burlington and then, and, and Jim, I, you know, at that point was already sort of like, I want to sort of move on and retire a little bit. So Sean started taking up some of the, some of the work and then worked his way up so that by the time Enterprise happened, Jim, Jim did the pilot and sort of established the world of the sound effects and then mostly passed it off, um, after Enterprise started, um, so, so Sean and Tommy and, and these other folks worked on it. Um, so uh, happily, by the time Enterprise happened, they were able to email the sound <laughs> files right. back and forth. Uh, but yeah, no. So, and, and so it was literally, they built a studio in Jim's basement in Burlington. And then eventually Sean built his own studio, uh, you know, moved <laughs> moved out of poor Jim's basement because when they started, especially with Voyager, Jim would work the day shift and Sean would then work the night shift. So, and so Sean would be in the basement doing sound for Voyager overnight in Jim's mm-hmm. basement. It was it was really quite something. Before anyway. we move on quickly, I want to just uh, leave a little bit of a space to mention Star Trek. Shatner was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame last night. Let's roll he the He sure was. He sure was. Shatner in the WWF to me. WE now, I guess. Uh, it's been WWE for like 25 years, but I still think of it as WWF. Uh, the Hall of Fame. So there you go, Shat. All right, <laughs> folks, it is now time for... It's time for the Out of Practice Podcast's This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. Before you start talking, let's just Uh give a uh listen to the start of, of this. What is my motherfucking... Hearing from our good friend Ja Rule singing with Jennifer Lopez on the number one song, I'm Real! Murder Remix. The top movie this week was From Hell! The uh, the Johnny Depp uh, Jack the Ripper movie, which I actually just recently watched. Uh, anyway, dark, dark movie. The uh, local Burlington Free Press had two things. One was Raid was hunt for Taliban secrets, because if you remember, we are now fully into the war in Afghanistan, uh, which at this point, our understanding was like, maybe we've got like six weeks left. Yeah, right. Uh, right. Yeah. But we're, we're going to take this, take care, take out the Taliban will be no problem. And that'll be the end of the wars. No, no. Anyway, so the other one, and this is going to kick off 
an exciting segment. The other uh, headline in the Burlington Free Press was Murder Still Haunts Stowe and Its Police. This is Stowe, Vermont, which brings forth our famous segment. I get the hat this time, guys. In October of 1991, the town of Stowe, Vermont, was shocked by a murder that tore through its idyllic image and changed the law in the state for all time. 28-year-old Patty Scoville was found raped and murdered after going for a bicycle ride. The police collected DNA from the scene, but it was of little use because in 1991, Vermont didn't routinely collect DNA from criminals and suspects and did not have a DNA database. The case went cold. In 1997, six years later, Patty's parents testified multiple times for the Vermont House Judiciary Committee, leading Governor Howard Dean to sign a law establishing a DNA database and requiring samples from parolees. Three years later, a DNA sample was collected from prison inmate Howard Godfrey. Because of a backlog in cataloging the DNA samples, it took another five years before a technician matched Godfrey's sample to the scene of Miss Scoville's killing. They cross-checked Godfrey's DNA from cigarette butts discarded by a now-free 61-year-old Godfrey and confirmed it was him. In 2008, 17 years after the initial crime, he was convicted and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Wow. Yeah, and that was, and Stowe, if you don't know, is like the bougiest, like, it looks like a postcard, literally, and it's it's a little snotty about it. Uh, but I was looking in the like the murder history, and there was like only one other murder in Stowe between 1991 and today. It's it's crazy, but it did uh, make DNA evidence a real thing, which is why on the practice we're we're still talking about DNA evidence as if it's like this new crazy thing, and it because it kind of was, and in, you know I can't believe in '91 we weren't even taking it into account so, so thank that means you outside uh, of like outside of physical evidence be, meaning eyewitness reports and fingerprints right that's that's really all they had to yeah, go like, on. yeah fingerprints boot prints that kind of stuff blood they sort of typed it was like a positive or whatever but it was it's it's crazy so uh anyway yeah so that was uh was certainly courageous of her parents to to push through this and thank you dr howard dean Governor, for uh, pushing that through. And uh, now for a much more important and mm. much more uh, <clears throat> somber event, it's time for... It's time, it's time, time, time. It's time for sports. On Monday Night Football, the Philadelphia Football Eagles and the New York Football Giants clashed in a titanic game at Giants Stadium. The Giants took a 9-0 lead into the half after three Morton Anderson field goals, but the Eagles took back the lead with a James Thrash touchdown from Donovan McNabb in the fourth quarter to make the score 10-9. The game only featured 453 yards of offense combined. In contemporaneous emails from the time, which I have now, old buddy <laughs> Nate said that the Eagles would win. He was right. I described the Giants as having run a prevent offense. 
There cool. it is. Cool. That's that's it. That's it. <laughs> I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. And I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to talk about the damn episode. Finally, mercifully, I'm sorry for your skip thumbs. That must have been terrible. Please ice your thumbs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is time to talk about the damn episode. This episode of The Practice, The Practice, remember? Is <laughs> season six, episode five, entitled Vanished Part Two. It was written not by David E. Kelly. He's 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 off writing something else this season. It was written by Gardner Stern, who last wrote on Liar's Poker, and directed by Dwayne Clark, who last directed We Hold These Truths. And there was only one more thing you have to suffer through before we get to the episode, and that is... What is that supposed to mean? What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? What? What does Mike think's gonna happen? I can't turn my head to say what because I look like yeah, a walrus. What if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? We love you, Keith. Uh, I can't. I can't turn my head. I, I just become some sort of a. You always choose walrus, blob. which is interesting. It's a very well. I, I, I got a field day. Cycle my body right shape sort of is a walrus, and if I turn, you know, how they have those big fat necks with like jowls and like things. Oh, it's horrible. When I they fight myself. each other, it's it's something. So listen, big pitches. This isn't as big as it's just what I want to see this episode. So you'll recall at the end of last episode, the dude that we've been, the body we've been trying to locate all episode through a civil trial and I guess like a guilt trip to a pedo uh, to like guilt him into telling us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we locate the body potentially just walking down the hallway, uh, just waiting for us. Well, he walks in. Yeah, and a big yeah. twist. Potentially, because we don't know for sure. So, last episode we saw none of. Although I see Lucy down there, I should I forget to look for clues before, and I see Jimmy shoving a sandwich in his mouth. I'm just seeing this stuff right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, we didn't see any DA last week, right? Because we were in a civil civil proceeding. We didn't That's see right. Ron That's Livingston. Right. We didn't see Helen Mc uh, Judge McDread. Helen McDread. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever we settled on. Mm-hmm, so here's mm-hmm. what I want to see, Keith, which we haven't seen before. You'll recall there's a little animosity between the offices right now because uh, Lindsay got somewhat played by uh, Ron Livingston. Mm-hmm. I want a full Avengers team up this episode. Ooh, okay. I want the DA's office and Bobby's office all doing investigative reporting to determine if this kid is the real kid. And mm-hmm. that's what I want to see. I want to see a full team kumbaya search for truth. That's what I want. And the on search the search for truth and justice. Yep. And on top of that, Jimmy goes to his other cousin who is the sandwich king of Boston. (laughs) There we go. To try to procure even more money because he's not done gambling, we find out. These are my ideas. Okay. 
All right, there it is. We all need a sandwich, and uh, you should probably grab one now before you listen on your podcasting service of choice to us. Watch the episode that has vanished, part two. We'll see you back here on the YouTubes for the oopsies. Actually, I got a couple more TV shows I'd like to talk about. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. The Practice, season six, episode five, Vanished, part D. Let's do this. Ding. What makes you think you're Chad oh. Baldwin? Here, let's get this out of the way before we get can... confused. Who's Chad Baldwin and his mom? Or clearly people we know. We know these guys. We know these folks, and we didn't introduce them last week because they are not credited, but we are continuing. Uh, the scene from last episode directly in meeting Chad Baldwin and uh, his mom, whose name has a, who, you know, who has a name. Uh, <laughs> what is her actual name? Allison Tucker. Uh, but the actors are Jonathan Tucker as Chad Baldwin slash James Tucker. Interesting that is uh, his name is the same. Uh, you know him from The Ruins, The Virgin Suicide, S Sleeper, S Hostage. <laughs> I had multiple plurals there that I didn't I didn't realize that they, Virgin Suicides, plural, and Sleepers, plural, until I'd already said the word. Uh, hostage, Westworld, and Kingdom. Westworld. Uh, very familiar. Westworld. That's probably <laughs> where you know him from. And his uh, mother, Allison Tucker, is played by... Golden Globe and three-time Emmy winner for 30-something, Patricia Wedhig from 30-something City Slickers, Brothers and Sisters, Prison Break, Alias. And, of course, if you are a 90s kid, you watched The Langoliers, mm. the Stephen King ABC miniseries that we all watched multiple times despite the fact it was terrible. However, I want your assurance that she's not going to get in any trouble. Why would she? Um, the man who kidnapped Chad Baldwin. The man that you sued. John Pierce. He's the man who gave me to my mother. In Brockton, in 1983, it was the same year that the Baldwin's child disappeared. He wasn't using the same name then, but... Gave you a child? Why didn't you go to the police? Because he told her I was his son. He asked me to watch James for a few days while he went out of town. He never came back. Excuse still, me. Why didn't Chad's you go to the picture police? was all over the news for weeks. How could you not have known he had been kidnapped? She didn't. And we're not here for you to cross-examine her like she's a criminal. I, I never like watched television. Didn't even own one at the time. I know that seems hard to believe, but I wasn't hiding him. You will have to talk to the police. And probably talk to the district attorney as well. I know. And I know I should have gone to them 18 years ago. Whatever I did wrong, I am willing to accept the consequences. Now that I realize who he is and what the Baldwins have gone through. And this is why you're coming forward. That because James has the right to know his birth parents. Do you even remember John Pierce? 
No, no. I don't even remember being Chad Baldwin. And you're really sure you are? I feel like this is a fairly common thing that happens, unfortunately. A picture of my mother with Maybe John Maybe not Pierce. these specific circumstances, but... She always told me that he was my father. And then Good I saw Good early news. Photoshop. And he's Look, not Photoshop, my father. Just put him in a wig. I'm the boy he kidnapped. There's a show I watch some call sometimes called uh, Ilana Fix My Life. And it's this uh, sassy therapist who fixes people's lives. <laughs> or kind Ooh, of a, I need a sassy therapist. Yeah. And there's one episode I watched where it was people who kids who had been kidnapped, who then via 23andMe and those DNA services have discovered that they were kidnapped. They, they were grown up in really happy, healthy lives with parents who loved them, who they just didn't know. They thought they were either adopted or they were their biological parents and then found out that they had been kidnapped. Now, various different, uh, various different means, but you know, the, the one this episode particularly focused on were kids who had been actually kidnapped and then the parents got arrested. And so this girl was so effed up because she loved her mother, but her mother kidnapped her and right. she was dealing with her mother going to prison. And she had started a relationship with the new parents and they wanted to, they wanted her to be the girl that they had pretend that they had wished her to be all these years, but that's not who she turned out to be. It, it's really complicated and and fascinating, uh, though sad. I, I mean, I, here's my question about that, and you know, I, I say this, you know, uh, from a standpoint of having never actually kidnapped anybody and tried to raise them as my children moving forward in life. Uh, so forgive my ignorance, but like, how do you pull that off? how do you just mysteriously deal with a kid? Because you've got school and you have to like have records and medical records. And like, you can't just like drop off a kid at a school yeah, or yeah, at I a think, doctor's office and say like, Hey, look, I found this. It's mine now. I think it's less that and more you parents who are desperately seeking children and can't, uh, Afford, well, I mean, I, afford I, adoption and so go through like some maybe lesser adoption agencies who end up getting black market babies. Well, and and are they providing the documentation? Because like I you know it's not like I understand the sort of thought process behind it, but it's like how do you? I mean, I guess you get fake IDs and you create a. Fake I was going to say I think for like five, six, ten thousand uh, dollars, it ain't too hard to 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 mock up a stolen identity for a baby. I mean, I I assume. <laughs> no, it sounds so like if you, a child trap. Oh no, I'm not saying that. That's uh, oh boy. If if you need your money transferred from your gambling debt, or if you need a fake ID from the kid you abducted, Doctor Mike, <laughs> just send your uh, campaign contributions to Matt Gates. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just gonna oh. let's just get out of this. Of course. <laughs> I knew that was coming too. Like, I was like, don't pause it. Don't pause it. Don't. He paused it. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> that is a, a long-standing tradition. Can't, can't you feel the teaser coming to an end? Can't you feel us like No, because we start the, uh, rolling bumpers literally two seconds into an episode. So it's just, I get into the vibe. Well, see, because I don't want to... I, I didn't want to interrupt the scene. You know, I want to get it out of the way so that we could then analyze the scene correctly 
and I can't run the bumpers over the intro. You know, they never even remixed the theme song. You know, a lot of shows by their sixth season give it a little pizzazz or something, but no, they were like, don't broke if it ain't broke. No, I mean, those laser sounds. Don't mess with the laser sounds. Let's find out Are you happens. sure? No, no, we're not sure. That's why we that need you to take a blood test. We've there? already taken his, and he thought Pierce no was wonder his the father. Kid left until a few days ago. Yes. And the woman said she got him from Pierce. Yes. So these Richard, parents are Nicholas Jenny, Sorobi, There was a lot of news coverage on again. this. Occasionally, there are people who will try to take advantage of a situation, no matter how tragic, by pretending to be our son. We don't know. You have money. That's why we want to take the blood test. You must think there's a good chance he's Chad or you wouldn't have come. We're exploring the possibilities. When can I see him? Let us check things out first. Yeah, if he do isn't Chad, we don't first. want your disappointment to be any greater than it has to be. You're right, Bobby. My wife and I are very good at dealing with disappointment. Also, like, the dad decided to, like, change his hairstyle. We Let me go for, like, a greasy slip much we can take. for the uh, next episode. We'll do the blood test and go from there. Which, by the way, as we're bumping out of that scene, I figured out what you know Deidre O'Connell from. Okay. Y you know her because when uh, when the pandemic started, she was uh, continuing her critically acclaimed run in Dana H., the solo play at the Vineyard. Oh, that's it. That is it. Anybody who Which, knows uh, this woman knew her, back. knew somebody who knows her. We need to support her testimony. Otherwise, it'd be her word against Pierce's. I'm on it. Lindsay, if you could stay on the lab. They've only had the blood an hour. They could test it in 20 minutes and be 99% sure. They still in my office? Waiting. Come on, Eleanor. More DNA. Bobby or Eugene here? Bobby's in a meeting, but Eugene's in his office. Yeah, we got to find out Jimmy's fate. Can I talk to you a second? <clears throat> I, uh, I've joined Gamblers Anonymous. There you go, Jim Jim. I go to three meetings a week. I'm also going to a regular therapist. So I feel confident that Good. I'll be okay. Is she sassy? Good. I'd like to apologize to the firm. I was thinking... That can't happen. The rest of the people here don't even know, Jimmy. Should they know, they become obligated by law to report you. I guess what I'm saying, I'm willing to accept it if that's what anybody chooses to do. But nobody will choose to do it. That's the problem. They'll keep your secret and be potentially liable for doing so. If you really want to protect them here, do not tell. Okay. Are we okay? I was just gonna joke. So are we cool? <laughs> but are we cool? We all good? They wrote it in. Yeah, you, you you're gonna, uh, you know, I forced you into committing a crime by, uh, you know. Do I forgive you? Yes. Am I here to help you any way I can? Maybe. But are we okay? Like everything's back to normal? No. Judge by my nostril flare. I don't trust you as much. Well, that's a pretty big loss. Yes, it is. Uh, it's, 
It's also a Eugene? really reasonable position for Eugene, frankly. It's not just yours. That ever occur to you? But very much in line with the way an addict thinks. So, you know, like, let me just brush under the rug and hope everything's best back to normal. Yeah, well, the I mean, thing one, is, uh, Jimmy's in such a tough position there because, like, he can't take it back. But the police, yeah, I mean, honestly, like everybody in that scene is coming from a pretty reasonable place. Mm-hmm. We'll want to talk to you. Why do they even have to find out? If you're really Chad Baldwin, it will get out. A kidnapped child comes back after 18 years. This will eventually get out. And you are going to be considered a suspect. You kept the child. You never contacted the police. You will certainly be considered an accessory. I thought he was Pierce's son. Yes, and assuming that's true, if you try to be sneaky about this now, you will lose all credibility with the police when they come to ask you questions. And they will come. So Which, what are you suggesting? If she genuinely did. Assuming Hold you on. are. See, see, here's the thing. If she genuinely thought that this was this person's son, she would, you know, again, going back to documentation, going back to like ID and medical records and school and that kind of stuff. She, I mean, un- unless she's, you know, like she's lying, if, if she, thinks this person left me the son, she would be using that kid's name and that kid's ID and that, and be asking for that information. It's like, it's, it, it doesn't really hold up to a lot of scrutiny once you get down to the actual practicalities of having a kid. Fair. Chad Baldwin, I'd like to go to the district attorney's office. I think we can make a deal. I'm hopeful they'll give you immunity. And what would I have to give them? John Pierce. You can put him away. Hmm. Can you promise you'll be protected? I know someone who can. No. Bobby lied too. It's the lab. It's not him. Bobby Donald. A pretty boring episode if it wasn't. <laughs> like, bye. Send me the report. Thank you. Or it's here. Well, it seems you're Chad Baldwin. Ah. Uh. Because if it weren't Chad Baldwin, cut to credits. Yeah, I mean, they could, could drum something up. The blood test is conclusive. It's him. He's your son. Oh, my God. We found our son. I feel like Jillian could play young her. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. When can we see him? He says he'd like to do it at the office. I need to sit down. I'm shaking. Are you? Yep, yep. She had just, like, pratfall. And this woman is willing to testify against Pierce... Like an we can finally faint. put him behind bars. I think she'd like school. to, you know, but she could change her mind and take the fifth. Why would she do that? <laughs> she came forward. James is afraid she might be charged with something. James? That's his name. Here's what we want. We want his name legally changed back to Chad. We want our son back, 
You want the man who kidnapped him punished. And you're willing to not punish her? I'd like to go to the DA and tell her the two of you, the victims, are in favor of granting Allison Tucker some kind of immunity. Now, I might have to bang the DA. I'm willing to do it. Done it before. Lindsay, you cool with that? No, gonna do it anyway. Moving forward. Helen, we gotta Avenger buddy cop up. Let's do it. We could get you and your son reunited. Mike is thirsty. Oh, it's for justice. And put Mr. Pierce back in prison. <laughs> Let's do that. I didn't think you were going to kill the bumper so early, so that really happened <laughs> uncomfortably in the clear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you didn't have that in for this day in the basement in the back of your Ultima? Oh, that might, uh, that might make it into a soundboard, I fear. <laughs> You're always afraid of me doing that, but I'm far too lazy. Yeah, I to know do that, it. but you, you never know when you get a burst of, the of inspiration. Walk into my office, Jorge, promising me a Phoenix, <laughs> cut it out and send it to me. It's going to the board. And I'll bet 90% of that 90% are people who know they're about to be picked up. Allison Tucker Pop would whiz. never. What's 90% of 90%? Like what, 81? <laughs> no idea. I'm I didn't really want you to anything. play it out. You're asking me to make a blind bid. <laughs> the Baldwins support it. If the victims of the crime want to give this woman immunity and help you convict the man we both know is responsible. It help, is. Where's the <laughs> downside? 81%? Yeah, I need more. Yep. I'll make a proffer that she can put John Pierce with Chad Baldwin in 1983. You've never had that. Add that to the existing circumstantial evidence. Put them together how? Is she an eyewitness? Yes. On several occasions. She raised the kid. If you don't give her immunity, you know what will happen. She'll take the fifth. Her son will refuse to testify against her, and you will be left with what the blind man saw. I'll give her queen for the day. If I buy her story, I'll give her accessory after the fact. <clears throat> nice try. Accessory. I'll agree to no time if I buy her story. If I don't, no deal. Thank you. Help you quench your thirst there, Mike. I had so many things I was going to say, and then okay? I didn't say them. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of hitting me. My whole life, I, I thought my father was just Pierce man. Yeah, do you have any pictures of him? The bald ones? That is a giant so. brooch. But you, you've met them. Yeah, yeah, but it's cool symbolism. It's a dove flying free, and he's now out of his cage, Keith. Hmm. I'm just glad they that really uh, Lucy nice. actually gets a scene. And I... They've never stopped loving you. I think it's a butterfly, but yeah. What would she it's look like? It's not a butterfly? My mother. Totally I'm a butterfly. your mother. It's got a little antenna and I know, Mom. I, I didn't mean... No. I, was... I mean, I'm all for you meeting them. I know you raised me. I know who my mother is. Some great facial acting by our girl, Lucy. We need to go. Bobby's was a little dour there, huh? I was working in Brockton well, a as a waitress. Grim situation. One day I was washing my clothes at the laundromat and this man came in with James, who was about four. 
We started talking, and he said that James was his son, and that the mom had died, and that they were living in a camper. What year was this? This was 1983, early summer. He said his name was Chris Stevenson, but when we saw John Pierce on the television a week ago, well, that was the man who gave me James, and we figured things out. Do you recall the name of the laundromat? No, but I think it was on Crescent, near the railroad tracks. How did you end up with James permanently? Well, one day this John Pierce said that he had to go away for a few days, and he asked if I could watch James, and I said yes. How long did this Mr. Pierce say he'd be gone? Three, four days, but then he... Well, he never came back. Well, when did it occur to you he might not be coming back at all? I don't know. I suppose a few months later. I thought about going to the police, but I knew that they would put the boy in a foster home. We had bonded, and I, um, I, I just didn't want him to be put in a home. And that sort of makes sense, but... You remember any of this? I remember would our place in Springfield. Nothing much before that. I don't know, but it's it's a valid concern, I guess. Like, I, for sure. I guess, for sure. you know, if you play it out in you your head... You don't want somebody going <clears throat> into the system. Yeah, if you're uneducated, not uneducated, if you're ignorant of the, like, actual proceeding, and you're thinking to yourself... Which we both are. Yeah, exactly. And I'm playing it out in my head, and I'm thinking, okay, this kid is bonded with me. If I go to the police, and they put him in even temporary custody, and they make me go through the hullabaloo of uh, adopting... Maybe I can't afford it. Maybe I can't this. Maybe I can't, you know, like maybe there are so many roadblocks they'll put up. Yeah. But. Yeah, fair enough. I, I'm curious. It sounds like we don't, but I'm I'm curious. I can I can make that leap of logic. But like you said, okay, what, so I have to homeschool him or what happens when he has transcripts or needs a license? Now what are we doing? Like what the name right. she has is fake, right? Maybe she didn't know his last name. Well. Oh, no, John Stevenson, I mean, she said. Yeah. Yeah, but obviously, like, that's not... I mean, she can't really use his name without, like, involving him. You believe her? I don't know. It's hard to swallow that she didn't have some inkling the kid was kidnapped. Likelihood is she probably didn't want to know. Yeah, that's fair, too. Checked her out. Her employment history and the location of the laundromat pan out. No criminal record. Uh, Owns a little secondhand shop. Wonderful mother and neighbor. Well... Even if she knew, she still took the kid out of the hands of a child molester. Meaning? She left the situation better than she found it. Well, if she knew he was kidnapped, she should have come forward. Look, our end game is to get Pierce. She can help us do that. You think I should make the deal? She'll plead to accessories? Forget it. No time served. (laughs) I think you should make the deal. We're in. You get your immunity if you testify against Pierce. So she can't be prosecuted. That's right. But it means going forward as soon as tomorrow at the probable cause hearing, then again, of course, at trial. Okay. But Allison, you have to understand, this is going to be an ugly battle. Pierce's attorney will try to shred you. She'll go from attacking your honesty to suggesting you're trying to extort the Baldwins for money. She could even claim that you're the real kidnapper. You're in for a nasty few months. Keith, we're not far away from the 
from the all hands Avengers dual office kumbaya that I've been hoping for. It it is true. There there is a little bit of a teamwork happening here. They're not on opposite sides. That's true. Okay. So are they going to arrest John Pierce? They're doing that as we speak. Mm-mm. Bobby, the Baldwins are here. Bobby Baldwin. Would you like us to leave? Yes, and if you could softly play some no. sad piano in the background, I mean, um, that would be comfortable. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Showman. I love great emotional stakes, too, that aren't necessarily intrinsically tied to, you know, like, a victim. You know what I mean? This is an interesting emotional conflict. It's definitely interesting. It's a fun scene to play as an actor. Yeah, he's having a, a reaction here. Well, wouldn't you? Well, it could be the shellfish that was on set, so we don't know. Chad. Mm-hmm. Hello. His name's not Chad. That's bullshit. None of them are doing too much, which is also great. Yeah, he's got a confusion about him, too. That's cool. I mean, you know what I mean. Cool to watch the performance of and the and mom number t- both mom it's very cool hello son what makes it more powerful is, is me I, talking I think Dad. yeah no I think our, our running commentary really just drives it home <laughs> yeah man this acting is cool <laughs> even Cameron's giving us the waterworks We still have your bedroom set up just the way it was. Thank you so much for bringing him back. No, 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 no. See, that's where it gets tricky. Is that what they're doing? Well, he's 18, right? How old is he? Yeah, he's. I think he's 19 now. So it's not like he's going, here's your baseball glove. Come on home, Bobby. Incredibly, it was the publicity of last week's civil proceeding that led James Tucker to conclude that he, in fact, is the missing Chad Baldwin. John Pierce was arrested last night without incident. His probable cause hearing is scheduled for 9 o'clock. Anything from Rebecca? She's still in Brockton. She should be back by lunch. I hope she finds somebody to support that woman's story. You don't think the judge will believe her? Don't know. You don't got to be a prick at work, Eugene. It's just not warm, that's all. So you met this man in the laundromat. If you gave me that cold shoulder, I'd be like, what the fuck? Of course, if I stole $15,000 from you, I guess guess I'd have to just stomach it. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm still doing the podcast with you. I'm just not (laughs) laughing at any of your jokes. (laughs) And he introduced you to a boy. Can you imagine if I ripped you off for 15 grand and you kept doing the podcast, your wife would be so mad. I would just be the part of that equation that that really bumps me more than anything else is me having fifteen grand to steal. Yeah, that's true. 
he said was his son that I just James. withdrew from your bank. Yes. And this boy is the young man you now you know stole is the $500 son of Richard and Jenny Baldwin, the son the that bank. was kidnapped 18 years ago. That's correct. And is that man who introduced you to the boy, that man that said James was his son and asked you to look after him, is that man in the courtroom? Yes, he is. Would you point him out, please? The defendant. She's lying. Mr. Pierce. I never had a kid with me. Mr. Pierce. And I show you this picture. gentlemen we have a new judge here on the practice judge kenny played by Stuart nisbet uh this was actually his final performance of his career but you would know him from casino in the heat of the night highway to heaven tj hooker he played six different characters on barnaby jones he was in six million dollar man bonanza he has 182 credits all the way back to the Tab Hunter show in 1960. Picture, Miss Tucker. Can you identify it? It's a picture of me and the defendant taken about 20 years ago. We were at a carnival together. This was previously marked and identified. I offer it now into evidence. I have nothing further for the witness, Your Honor. Though I remind the court that all the testimony from last week's civil proceeding has been entered as recorded testimony evidence. It's nice to see Helen back after an episode. Tom Bauer is back. Ms. Tucker, the, uh, during guy. the 18 years you were raising Chad Baldwin as your and of course, own you son, did you ever talk no, to the police about the father who left his son with you and never returned? No. Did you talk to anyone about it in 18 years? No. You kept the whole thing a secret. Is that a fair statement? I guess you could say that. Did you keep it a secret because you knew what you were doing was illegal? I know that what I did was wrong. And yes, it was probably illegal. But at the time, I really believed that what I was doing was best for James. You claim Mr. Pierce asked you to watch Chad for a few days and never returned. Yes. Did you ever tell any of your fellow workers at the Golden Cup why you were quitting? No. Did anyone ever see you and Mr. Pierce and Chad together in the weeks he was living in Brockton before he left town? I don't know. You can't recall? No. So if I said, based on everything you've told me, I believed you had kidnapped Chad, you really wouldn't have any way of disproving that, would you? I don't know how you prove that you didn't do something. And if I said, I believe you concocted this whole elaborate story in order to frame a convenient dupe and free yourself from responsibility for the illegal acts you admit you committed. Objection. Sustained. Ms. Tucker, are you trying to frame Mr. Pierce in order to protect yourself? If I wanted to protect myself, I would have stayed living the way I've been living for the past 18 years. I did this for my son because I wanted him to meet his birth parents. Birth parents that I didn't even know existed until a few weeks ago. I see. But before you carried out this little act of altruism, you made sure you cut a deal with the DA, right? In exchange for this testimony, you were promised you wouldn't serve any time. Is that true, Ms. Tucker? Yes. I would that's not correct. want to mess with Joanna Gleason. No, but if I'm a jury member, Water. that doesn't really pers- uh, uh, that doesn't persuade me because I'd do the same thing. Well, but there is no jury. My sister here. and I yeah. don't really communicate much anymore, Miss Washington. I'm just looking. 
I need witnesses to substantiate what she's telling us. I don't really know anything. Did you know she had a child? Yes. And did she tell you she had gotten the boy from a man? Yes, some guy she met at a laundromat. I heard the whole thing. And did you believe her? Why wouldn't I? Miss Tucker, I'm Allison's lawyer. So I'm on her side. There's got to be a twist coming, right? This I'm just trying feel, to collect I mean, like, information. I mean, it's compelling, it but like it feels very clean cut. Mr. Pierce's lawyer will doubt her, and she'll try to tear her up. I need to know whatever ammo she could possibly dig up. We already saw that scene. <laughs> Can I talk to you? Thought we did that. Well, I'd like to talk again then. Go ahead. We just shot the previous scene like <laughs> 10 minutes ago. I, uh, I, I can't get it out of my head about what you said about shattering trust. And, well, I realized I was betting money. I even knew I was betting the client's money. And I suppose I knew I was gambling no, Jimmy, with the firm's reputation. I think it's like step never, nine, but the apology stuff uh, happens later and, and you usually write a letter. Two direct meetings in the office when clearly Eugene's a little upset. Probably not going to go the way you wanted, but, you know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Now, if Eugene's very hungry and wants a giant sub, there's an Easter egg somewhere that's telling me that that might be uh, helpful. I, I could go for a giant sub right now. Really hit me. Maybe I'll go to Until Wawa you said what you said was that I was wagering friendships. And uh, I guess that means... Dude, I go to Wawa once a day. I was willing to. But on that, I wasn't really aware. I never would have knowingly done that. You people here, you're really the only thing I have that truly means anything to me. Fuck my mother. I'm not comfortable telling people I love them, and especially other men. But uh, I do love you, Eugene. And for me to risk I'm an addict. But if I ever needed the will to lick this, I got it now. Because my friendship with you, well, I hope you know what I'm saying. Such a good performance. Really, really there. excellent. That one's one of the ones that's like, you should go and watch. And Eugene did a great Eugene. That's exactly how Eugene would respond to that. They offered nothing new. The 18-year-old memory of an unsubstantiated witness whose credibility is highly suspect. The only thing she could establish... All right, we're still just dealing with the parole hearing here, right? Uh, no, it's not a parole healing, healing, hearing. I think they're doing a probable cause hearing to charge him with the kidnapping. Is that she once briefly knew my client, even if the court 
were able to accept her concoction, you would certainly have to recognize, Your Honor, that this newly discovered evidence could never satisfy at trial the burden of guilt beyond reasonable doubt. Accordingly, I ask that my client be released and the charges be dismissed, this time with prejudice. We already had an eyewitness. Mrs. Baldwin placing John Pierce at the scene of the crime at the exact time of the crime. We found three Legos inside Mr. Pierce's apartment. Chad Baldwin was seen playing with Legos at the scene. He has convictions for two other child molestation. I'm sorry, those will not come into evidence. I think they will. They go to pattern. The prejudicial value alone. Civil liberties are less in style than they used to be. I would appreciate getting to finish my statement much like she got to finish hers. So that one got go filmed after 9-11. In addition to Mrs. Baldwin placing Mr. Pierce within 50 feet of her son at the time of the disappearance. In addition to an informant who testified that John Pierce admitted to the abduction. We now have the testimony of Allison Tucker, who says she got Chad Baldwin from John Pierce. Let's not forget, Your Honor, his prior molestation convictions will likely come into evidence as pattern evidence. All of that will be enough to satisfy reasonable doubt. Your Honor, it's unquestionable that this matter satisfies the burden of a probable cause hearing. Aha! I was right! I agree. Yeah. The defendant is bound over. Trial date for the first week of February. And Miss Lightstone, Miss Gamble is correct. There's an excellent chance the jury will hear about these other molestation convictions. Take your client in a corner. Tell him he's got a problem. This court is adjourned. Oh, we got applause. I can't believe it. We may finally get him. Well, I'm going to need you for trial, which you heard will be in February. Okay. Bobby. Hey, Beck. In a sec. Sure. Bobby, baby. Listen, before we get carried away, I'd like to try to settle this. Our leverage is good, and with the chance of the other convictions being suppressed, and there is that chance, I'd like to get what we can get now. How long? If I could get eight years, I'd be thrilled. You okay with that? I guess. Allison, can I talk to you for a second? Oh, shit. Heath, you hear that shoe dropping? Ooh. What's up? This is Rebecca Washington. She's an attorney with our firm. Yeah, I, th I think we met. She's yeah, been she, looking she's for witnesses who could perhaps bolster your testimony. Lately. Today, she spoke with your sister. And? She says three years before taking in James, you miscarried. Two years before that, you miscarried. Six months before taking in James, you tried to adopt. You were rejected. A month later, you told your sister you thought about just going to a hospital and taking a baby. Uh, for the record, Mike was right! Mike, what? Well, not really right, but that story I told what feels like days ago uh, is has turned has turned out to actually be the plot. It hasn't it? You mean uh, are, you mean like literally days ago because we're re-recording this last twelve minutes? Shh, now, don't break the facade here, Keith. I'm talking about that episode of Wait. I Ayana Save My Life or Fix My Life that I watched. 
what facade do you think we're trying? We're like maintaining. We don't discuss the episode breaking until the oopsies, Keith, and people are listening in real time. Don't know that it happened yet. <laughs> they don't know that it's it's now Wednesday. They don't know that we've already watched this. And uh, and Keith already forgot what happened. She's lying. Nothing coherent to say for twelve minutes, and then I'll remember it magically for the oopsies. Well, I'll tell you what happened, Keith. She didn't. She's not doing a a good deed after all. She's saving her own ass here. Well, it's certainly yeah. The implication here from Rebecca is uh, yeah, maybe she uh, maybe she did steal the baby. To make up those lies. uh, Wasn't the guy. But that doesn't mean... Oh, that means Pedo is going back to prison for Did for you kidnap James Whoa. Allison? Well, possibly. We'll, we'll find out. No. Did you get lucky? John Pierce, a child molester, just happened to be in the area at the time. He just happened to be a friend. Are you the beneficiary of an incredible coincidence? No. You also told your sister Mr. Pierce had a juvenile arrest for molestation. Now, is he implicating that she sought him out or is it still or I I think the idea here is that they happened to know each other. And so maybe and she knew of if she knew about the juvenile arrest, then she also knew that he was a child molester. Why they were friends? Unclear, but possibly had this in her back pocket Mm. if she if she was already like starting the abduction train in the back of her head. Right. She like found a dupe. That she could pin it on at some uh, point if she okay. wanted to. Well, now, sir, why why were you friends with this pedo? Well, well, we started the podcast years ago before I knew anything about the pedo, and then I figured we had to just you know see it through. Juvenile records are sealed. Well, I thought it could be convenient. So how would you know that? Can we didn't know that. With stuff you Pierce told me so. What? So what? It means you had reason to know he'd make a perfect suspect. Did you try to frame him, Allison? Snatched a kid where he worked, planted the Legos in his apartment you had access. Is that what happened, Allison? Planted the Legos. The key part was involved, Mr. Donald. So she would have had to have done it 18 years ago. Why would I ever come forward now? Because your son saw it on TV. I don't think you really did. James did. And you couldn't stop him. Look at she's got some baby blues too. Yeah, she sure does. And right now they are as cold as ice. The question is, what do we do now? Well, if Beck found this out, I gotta believe the police will too. No. The sister's not talking to the police. She spoke to me because I'm Allison's lawyer. Which raises another issue. We're Allison's lawyers. The conflict of interest we spoke of before has reared its ugly head. Do we tell the Baldwins? How do we not? I agree. I love reasonable we Eugene. tell the Baldwins and Allison. Wait a second. Allison it's could still have criminal exposure on this for so obstruction of justice or perjury. It doesn't matter. She didn't reveal the information. Her sister did. It's not privileged. But Eugene... I am telling the Baldwins. What's happening with Pierce? No. 
John. I didn't do it. I won't say I did. I'd finish listening before declaring your position, Mr. Pierce. Helen. This is a one-time only offer. You know the evidence we have. The judge indicated he's going to admit the molestation conviction. I didn't do it. I admit I knew the woman, but I never took the kid. Helen doing what she should do. She, you know, she should be trying to get him to cop, cop, cop a plea. Well, right, because like every person in this room doesn't <clears throat> know what's happening. Right. Like, like no, like this entire negotiate, like there's two sides of negotiation where neither side, because usually like one side knows what's happening and they're trying to pull one over on the other side. Right now, neither side knows what's going on. It's really interesting. Now, Bobby has clearly indicated that he wants to take this to the Baldwins, which I think is right. fair. Why is he not mentioning taking it to Helen here? <clears throat> Well, I I think from their point of view, they're they're thinking they have a conflict of interest because they represent. Well, well, they represent the Baldwin's, but they don't represent uh, the kid and and uh, Crazy Mom, right? Yeah, but it should be noted here that the Baldwin's aren't in court right now. You know what I mean? Like this right. isn't the civil proceeding. So they're not really rep representing anyone they're as, not a as, party. It, as, it, as it pertains to this case in the courtroom. Right. Right. So nobody really has standing. So it's, it's, it's confusing. It's almost, I, I feel like we'll talk about this in the oopsies. If only, if only we knew that we if, were definitely going to talk about this in the oopsies. If only I remembered what we said in the oopsies versus in the missing like Zapruder tapes. Or the, it's it, no, it's it's the Nixon tapes. We yeah. have like the silent eighteen minutes. I have no idea, you know, what I said in the, in the Nixon. Must tapes. have been. She's trying to frame me. What's the pedo She's trying to, to frame you. Eighteen years later, what is this careful planning? I don't know what's Maybe. going on. Actually, yes. I was friends with her, but I never grabbed that kid. You've got till noon tomorrow. I'm offering you reckless endangerment. For a kidnapping that is a gift which I am willing to give you to spare putting those families through a trial. And I hope you turn it down. Because I love to go after guys who go after kids. Ooh, the confidence. She the did eyebrows. it. We can't prove it, but we think so. Does James know? We don't think so. so he seems to believe his mother's version of the events. You know, she does most of the talking when they're in scenes together, but he So is where does this leave us? Excellent, awesome. Well... Ethically, we think we should inform the district attorney. Nicholas Sorovia. We're a little trapped because Allison is also our client. Before oh. we do anything, we thought we'd so get your reaction to it all. Wait, Why so would Bobby, she come so, forward and so expose herself if she were the kid? Took on both sets of this as clients. So if... If they took on Patricia Wedding's character and Jonathan Tucker's character as well as the the parents here, once again they have taken on two pieces of a triangle as clients. Right. They like there's nothing they love more than a good conflict of interest. I mean, why why didn't they the minute they they walk in say we don't know what's going to happen here, but we know there's a good chance that both the you know the original parents and the new mom and the kid might have differing interests let me recommend some other lawyer to advocate for you so you don't set up a situation like this 
Napper. We believe James insisted on coming forward and she couldn't talk him out of it. As we said, we can't prove any of it. But this is where we are. I would like you to not tell the district attorney. Shit. Okay. Why? Good question. Because if you do, it's going to turn Chad against you and ultimately us. Like it or not. She controls our relationship with our son. Well, a man stands to be convicted for a crime he didn't commit. Well, maybe the police will find this new information out on their own. That doesn't seem likely. And besides, Pierce could enter a plea. Eleanor, Bobby, my husband's right. We need to have a relationship with this woman. It's possible. Okay, two if things. James were to know. Two things. One, uh, it is such a TV contrivance that they would make this decision, the, the, the couple would make this decision independent of each other. Like, that feels like a, hey, can we go talk to each other for a second before we figure out what to do? Right. And another TV contrivance is why can't they anonymously get this information to the DA? Because they, they don't want to piss off their son. They want to keep that relationship, sure. But, like, there's plenty of ways to get that information to the DAs without attaching it to yourself, yeah? Well, they wouldn't be bringing it to them anyway. Bobby's team would be bringing it to them, right? That's 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 has nothing right. to do with them. Right, or, and, or, or, or yeah, or even even have Bobby's team like take the you know, take the heat and say like, "Oh, they told us not to, but we have an ethical obligation too." So they're just as mad at you. You're on the same seat. You're on the same team. I think it no, now it's I, I agree with your contrivance. However, I do think it's totally plausible that this set of parents is so starved, has been so starved, and to to see to have a relationship with this kid who's kidnapped years ago, they don't want to blow it. Totally get that. However, the kid's already had to deal with the trauma of being kidnapped, right? He's dealing with that right now. Yes, right. it would be a huge brain fuck to then him for him to then find out that his mother that he loves was actually the one who kidnapped him. However, to to preclude him from the knowledge that this person he's going to continue a lifelong relationship with, his mother kidnapped him, is kind of fucked up too. Totally. Yeah, I mean, because like eventually he's got to find out at some point. And or if you if, take it to your grave, then you're going to tell him when he's like a 60-year-old a man. You know what I mean? Like, but, he, but yeah, I mean, but even if you wanted to take it to your grave, like at some point he's still going to start having some questions. Like her, her story doesn't really... You know, held up to the smell test. Oh yeah, this pedophile just gave me to you, and I knew he was a pedophile, and he just gave me to you, and I didn't really ask any more questions. I didn't research. I didn't do anything other than like, it doesn't pass the smell test for like a day, let alone the next sixty years of his life. And if I find out that my parents held that from me, I'd be pretty. I'd be much more pissed. I can't remember. If they it's, told me if something I didn't like. You during the episode or future Keith. <clears throat> that, Ooh, future um, Keith. Sorry, that actually talks about this, but what's true here is that no one is actually, even though they all want the son on the on their best interest, no one is actually operating on it with his best interest in mind. It's all self, uh, it's it's all their self-interest, right? The mom yes. wanted a kid, so she kidnapped a kid and kept it secret the whole time. And these people now are going to keep the truth from him so that they can potentially have a relationship, which isn't guaranteed one way or the other. 
Right. Yeah. No, like everybody here, everybody here is shitty. And the only person who's not being shitty, who's actually just straight out getting fucked, is the child molester. Keith, I think you've stumbled upon our newest branding. Everyone here is shitty. That Allison was the kidnapper. He might sever his relationship with her, making it easier for you. That might be so, if you could prove it. But you can't. Well, that's all. You asked for our thoughts, Bobby. As your clients, we're directing you not to tell the district attorney about this new information. They don't need to ram this deal through. I also want to just wait and investigate. Even if we accept all of this, right? Right. I still don't understand how they get the final say as to what Bobby does in this regard, right? Right. Well, because you know, I I, I think I will talk about it in the future past, <laughs> but but like there are, you know, you you try to do what your clients say, but you also have ethical obligations as a officer of the court, and you know, as, as you said, and, and I will, I think, say in the future, is this is not the civil case anymore. This is a criminal case about kidnapping so that his these clients don't have any standing in that case. So there's no, it's not quite the attorney-client situation, I don't think. The world may never know. Clearly, the world will never know. He maintains his innocence. Oh, come on, Henrietta. He does. Helen, what can I tell you? It's not about what you tell me. It's about what you say to him. You got to advise him of his legal chances here. If this goes to trial, he's dead. I can't make him take a deal. Make him see reality. We're railroading him. Well, give me something to go back with. I gave you eight years for a kidnapping. What do you want me to gift wrap it? Make it six. I'll get him there. I'll give him 15 in juvie. He'll love it. Six. I'll sell it. Seven. Sell seven. Lucy, notify the Baldwins and the Tuckers we're going back in before Judge Kenny at 11 if they want to be there. Do they have to? No, it's their that choice. That juvie joke by Helen for a pedophile is actually I'm kind of low. <laughs> yeah, well, you just started low. So this guy's going back to prison? Seems so. Oh, the cold shoulder. Nothing worse than the Eugene cold shoulder, to be honest with you. No. It'd be so sad. I don't know if Rebecca gave me a cold shoulder. Jimmy. Lunch plan. To see the uh, conscience Wait a of second. The me? No, I'm wide open. Wanna grab a sandwich? 12.30 or so. Great. Like a, like a giant sub, maybe? Wow. Easter egg it. Easter egg it. Do you think after Bobby dropped the child, the dead child, off of the church steps, him and Eugene went and got a sandwich? Is that how Eugene forgives? I I think so. Or uh, when Bobby got like six people killed, mm-hmm. they, by, went uh, for, they went out for they went out for sushi. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's a. It, so what? What? What are we gonna do when we finally reconcile? <laughs> I think we're gonna sit at the fire pit and have a good time, and you're gonna try to convince me to move to Jersey. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Come Which on, you gonna come to We, ta- we talked about during coffee again this morning. Oh yeah, yeah. Come on, uh, shuffle off to uh, you know. Jen the, drove. 
back from Long Island this weekend and said that uh, this weekend, which was taking place when we recorded the uh, it's all, <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, she said it's exactly 90 minutes from passing the Rahway exit to our apartment. Oh, yeah? Yep. Nice. It'll be a lot Bobby, faster when you're, you're also here. We were close when Lucy called. The case is over. They supposedly have reached a deal. There's a... If he goes back to pedo prison, he's going to get in it the raw way. Joint recommendation scheduled before Judge Kenny. Boo. Have I used that joke before? I think I've Listen, done that Listen, I know before. we've already discussed this, but... I, I don't want to acknowledge any instance of that joke. If Pierce is doing jail time, he's serving it quite possibly for a crime he didn't commit. Will you really be able to live with that? John Pierce is a two-time child molester, whether or not he actually kidnapped Chad. He served his time for those offenses. I'm not going to lose sleep for him. Okay. This is my time to make up for 18 lost years with my You're son. You're hoping. You don't know that. Right, you can't... can't guarantee that. And you're also like is it really over? setting a pretty shitty example we don't know. as like we're parents. told there's a plea. Allison, could I see you in private in the witness room? I caught a bad edit you. there. No, this is private. Oh yeah. Uh, well, it's not I'm going with you. We, uh, we we've never had a bad edit. We're not going to have one. Uh, about six of them in this episode. You got to send me these rolls right away so I can get on it. Oh yeah. Did you kidnap my son, Allison? Hey, well, there you go. I asked you a question, and I would appreciate Did an answer. Did you see answer. that subtle shift in her eyes, Keith? The actress playing Allison? Did you kidnap my son? Yeah, it's a Deirdre O'Connell, Patricia Wayne. I man, raised man. James. She's like, the, the jig is up. His I can mother. be myself. Well, then, as his mother, you'll understand my rage. Like only a mother can. Although, hold on. I, to 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 clip my own wings, I guess now she has leverage over her, right? So she can kind of force a relationship with the kid now. Uh, I'm not saying that's right, but yes, yes. Although, uh, if she can't prove it, like yeah. I, 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 you know, the the situation that they're in, and I totally understand why if they had evidence that they could prove that she abducted him and then she would go to jail, then they'd get their kids. They'd have a little bit of certainty. Uh, but in this situation, you they can't prove it. They The only outcome that really comes with them going to the DA and saying, hey, this is what, you know, we think she did it, is the guilty person doesn't go to jail for something he didn't commit. I would imagine that Helen would certainly start an investigation, but there's no guarantee that they'd right. convict her. Um, although they, I mean, certainly they, I think they have more on her than they do the guy that were thrown in jail for this specific crime, not for all the crimes that he committed, but for this specific crime, they've got way more on, uh, on uh, Patricia Weddick's character. I will get along with you because I have to. I will welcome you into my home. I will sit across a dinner table from you. I will welcome you into my life. I will host a podcast with you. To keep James in my life. <laughs> but with every embrace. Be oddly adversarial. Please know. I will never, ever 
forgive you. It will be about an old show and we'll not talk about the show for 90% of you. And you'll understand that, won't you? Because a mother can understand. I mean, all kidding aside, those two performances were Court's dynamite. Session. Yes. They so easily could have been massachewing the scenery. And they did so much with so little emotion cracking through. You understand, Mr. Pierce, that you are pleading guilty to the charge of child endangerment? Yes, Your Honor. And you understand that by pleading guilty, you waive your rights to an appeal and will be sentenced to state prison for a term of not less than seven years. Wow. Well, there you go. Mr. Pierce, I ask you a question. Yes, Your Honor, I understand it all. Ms. Lightstone, you support and recommend this plea? I do, Your Honor. All right, Talk then, the plea man, is right? entered and accepted. Yeah, geez. Mr. Pierce, you are hereby found guilty of the charge of child endangerment. Security, take Mr. Pierce into custody. This court is adjourned. Another really good performance from Tom Bauer there. You know what, I really think we all learned a really important lesson, you know. Next time you go to ask someone if they have any extra Tide at the laundromat, be careful the friendship you strike up, you know. Yes, all people you meet in laundromats are monsters. say this quickly okay i want to say this quickly too we can't let this episode pass without recognizing the leopard print (laughs) outfit that eleanor has been rocking all episode yeah she's like uh what's her name bassett the the tiger king lady yes whose name we both have forgotten carol Carol bassett carol bassett yes baskin baskin Baskin. all right why don't you say what you're gonna say while we're fading the music out there i entirely forget if I bring up this point in the oopsies again, uh, but our our uh, DAs not having a good season. Because, yeah, they're really dropping the ball, huh? Like so far already in six episodes, five episodes, five episodes, they've had two different people plead guilty to something they didn't do. And they have given immunity to two different guilty people it just ahead of the ahead of the, the case. It's just like, guys, I'm sure I rant about it and you're going to hear it all over again. But like, wow, they are having a bad start to the season. Well, Keith, let's give our audience the rare occasion, the rare legitimate chance to. Mm. Oh, wow. My. Uh, audio has sorted itself out. Let's give them the rare chance mm. to time travel into the Ooh. past. And hear what Keith and Mike thought about the episode the first time they watched it when we transfer to the oopsies, but real time, Mike and Keith, go eat dinner. (laughs) That is exactly right. And we are 
back, baby. Okay. I'm the baby merchant. Tots are us. I give you all the service and no damn fuss. Give up, baby merchant. Just a week or two. Wow. This is a glorious moment from Cop Rock, folks. Yes. I, Give us a week or two. We'll have our baby for you. And that's, uh, oh, where's my hat? <laughs> oh, no. Somebody can see your hair. That guy looks so much like a younger Tom Bauer. If oh. you tell me what episode, I, I don't think it is Tom Bauer, but that would be amazing if it were. That is crazy, folks. What is also crazy is that the second half of the episode, you've heard us twice. We Things were going so well, and we broke the episode and had to redo half of it, literally half of it. So uh, that's yeah, why yeah. Well, we're I surly. promise you, take two is going to be much worse than take one. Yes, we are surly. Uh, surely, I... we are surly, if you know what I'm saying. Anyway. Mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show. Oh, man, I remember because we've done it 25 times. Uh, yeah. Kidnap guy, pedo kidnap. Uh, Chad guy, kid, he's back. We go all hands on deck. We're looking to make sure they take a DNA. It is him. They're getting the guy. The mom isn't going to be charged because she was just a patsy in this whole thing. But then it turns out her sister's like, no, she had a couple miscarriages and she kidnapped this bitch, but she got the deal anyway. And guess what? The mom goes okay with her. She's like, I'll never forget. (laughs) (laughs) Someday, uh, when we do a transcription of... uh our episodes, the transcriptions of Mike has 30 seconds will be the best segment, period. Keith, and in all of the hullabaloo, you are mm-hmm. going to love this. You are going to absolutely love this. I forgot entirely <laughs> <laughs> to do the next bit, so... <laughs> so you're going to have to do it on, on the, the fly spot. in a segment oh, we call... Oh, no. <laughs> I'll count it out on my fingers. <laughs> okay, you ready? Ready. Jimmy needs some lunch. His mom snatched him from the park. No one wins this week. There you go. Yes. Okay. All right. That's pretty good. I don't. It, it, Jimmy's sandwich becomes a much bigger part of the episode in the high coopsy, but <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Maybe I, we should swap it. Maybe no one wins this week. His mom snatched him from the park. Jimmy needs some lunch. Okay. There you go. I feel All better right. about that. Okay. Well, there it is. High coopsy. Fly coopsy. That mm-hmm. was Haikupsi on the fly. All right. Let us mercifully Ooh, move girl. forward to the world's most prestigious awards ceremony entitled... Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice podcast in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions proudly present... Oopsie. The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the oopsies? 
Well, Jackie, they're the fake awards ceremony that begins every week with the... Most Valuable! Things were going really well, and then just, again, Bobby did some great stuff, but he... And he only did what his... For once, he actually did what his client wanted, despite... Right. So that's to be commended. Uh, But, you know, Helen checked all the boxes, right? She she was she did her due diligence to make sure that the story checked out for the most part, the DNA matched and she okay, maybe maybe she didn't do her due diligence. Rebecca was out there sleuthing. She got the deal, they got the Yeah, I guess the due diligence part really does raise a red flag because I was going to say they weren't given all the info from Bobby. They were kind of leaning on Bobby's office, but I guess they should have committed their own resources to that investigation. But at the same time, you can't really give it to Joanna Gleason because she got railroaded, really. So, I mean, Rebecca? She's the only one who actually uncovered the truth. She couldn't really, she didn't have much agency in doing much about it, but she she, she found it. I mean, she's the best detective for sure. I don't know, man. What do you think? I need some help. Yeah. Well, here, here let, let, me, let me just rule out some folks. Okay, yes. Right? And let me start with the DA office in Boston. Mm-hmm. We are five episodes into season six. And not once, but twice, we have now had innocent people pleading guilty to something they didn't do. And twice, they have given immunity to the person who did it. Twice. Mm-hmm. So in the first episode, they gave Dylan Baker's wife immunity when she was the murderer. Yes. They gave uh, Patricia Wedding immunity when she was the kidnapper. And they have railroaded two innocent people into guilty pleas. The DA's office in Boston is a hot fucking mess right yes. now. So no oopsies for you. Uh I think you're right. Joanna Gleason did a good job, but she got railroaded. I think you eventually got to the right answer, and the right answer is Rebecca, because she at least uh, got some added some truth to the equation, and uh, and didn't do anything immoral, such as allowing a guilty person to go to prison, or incompetent, such as allow a guilty person to get immunity. So okay, I'm like with it. you hundred percent. Rebecca, you are this week's MBL. All right, now it's time. <clears throat> Work out the kinks in your neck. Already famous because you've been on TV. Getting a paycheck. Watch the first entry on your IMDb. Way to go. But you're the best guest you're falling actor. Off. You are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the app. Oh, so many good guest actors. The yeah, both moms though I think are the bestest actoresses. <laughs> you know, really, you really boil yeah, it down. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I love that subtle shift we talk about. But you know what? Last week you really lobbied for. Uh, one woman show and Deidre O'Connell. Deidre. 
And this week, I think that last scene really was what I needed, was what I wanted. That rage, that the monologuing of, of what she was feeling, what she was going through. She was great the whole episode through. And just the way she worked through that logic for us emotionally, I thought was uh, was worthy of of the prestigious Oopsie Award. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree with you. Uh, but for the sake of sakes, I'm going to complete the splitsy you were lobbying for and give my half to Patricia Wedding because uh, I thought the uh, they both gave excellent performances, which helped each other give excellent performances. Uh, really couple of powerhouse actresses. I would have liked to have seen them go at it even more. Mm-hmm. But uh, congratulations to Patricia Wedding and Deirdre O'Connell for your best guest actor. Oopsies. Now it's time for... You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show. God, everybody was good this week. Eugene, Steve Harris was great. Michael Bacal- Mike. <laughs> flustered people. I'm flustered. How's talking going? He's flustered. Mike is flustered. I've really worked get him a hard sandwich. to get shit working again this week, and, and it's mm, all for mm. nothing. It's all for yeah. nothing. Never do a Windows update, guys. Just don't do it. Just let your... You should still be on Windows 97. (laughs) Let the Russians hack your computer. Uh, Dylan was really great. Where's... Where's... uh, Where's Kelly Williams, by the way? Uh, Not in this episode. Lisa Gay was great. Ron Livingston was great. It's not even Bataluco's episode. You know what I mean? Like, it's not even his episode. He was so good. I want to give him the oopsie again, but I feel like maybe Bobby earned more. Bobby did such great work with with his clients and trying to. I got to give it to Bataluco again. I really think he was great. Yeah. No, I I I I completely agree. I think that one. Really, that one like genuine apology scene from Michael was terrific. Everybody else just sort of served their function. They did a great job at it, but there wasn't really much acting involved. They were just sort of, oh, this is happening, this is happening, exposition bots. Whereas uh, Michael Bataluco really brought it. So, uh, yeah, this is two weeks in a row for Michael. That's big time. Congratulations on your back-to-back oopsies. Can you make it a throopsie next week? Stay mm-hmm. tuned. We'll find out. You know who uh, has done the Thrupsie and about 40 in a row? The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Let's pop on up last week's On the Steps of the Brady, which was just excellent. Well done. Well, well, well thank done. You, thank you. I, uh, I, feel like, uh, I feel like Brady would probably scream his way through a performance. Absolutely. Uh, this week, it's a little dark, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Seems appropriate for today. Um, uh, so I hope you can find a nice, good graphic of the side of a, uh, a milk carton, Keith, because this week's winner of the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady is, have you seen Brady, Tom Brady? Ooh, abducted Brady. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, okay. I want to see him. Uh, and back in the days, I guess for those of our younger viewer, uh, 
when you were kidnapped, you used to, you didn't get to be on a TV show. You, you just, they put your face on a milk carton. Yeah. So uh, every morning with breakfast, you thought about child abduction. <laughs> yeah. And then you did a crossword puzzle on your Fruity Loops. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay. Well, congratulations, uh, abducted Brady for the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Now it's time for... Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. Do you smell toast? Do you smell burning electronics? That's just my computer melting. But thanks for joining us anyway. Ladies and gentlemen, I, despite having to watch it a bunch of times, pretend to be watching it for the first time so that I could deliver you the hot podcast content you adore, I still love this episode. As I mentioned to Keith, uh, on one of the takes, I don't know <laughs> if you got to hear this I love how you're pretending that we've done the second take yet, which really we haven't. I'm trying to live on a lot of planes of existence right now for your uh, c- continuity, but you might not have heard this part of the conversation, so let's assume you didn't. Uh, what I love is when there are more questions than answers when done correctly, because sometimes puzzling those questions out in your head, going through this circular... Or a boros of logic, if you will. How would I respond? How should they respond? Is the fun. And sometimes the practice is, is firing on all cylinders when David E. Kelly has something else to work on for a week or two or three. Okay? And that's where we are this week. The twists weren't about the twists, right? We were already trying to brain puzzle ourselves through, well, how should they respond? Should they try to work a deal with this guy? Uh is why are they trying to get uh, protect this the Chad's mom Chad's adopted mom should they be getting her uh immunity yeah well that makes sense let me puzzle that through that makes sense why they would do that i would, you know he wants to protect his mom they saw this thing on tv they're trying to do the right thing introduce him to his kiss and then we get that added wrinkle at the end and we start going should they tell should they not tell who are they protecting is it important for them to have a relationship with their son by allowing this kidnapper to go free because she was the one who raised him. And then we still have to put this innocent man in prison, but is he innocent? We could have a whole conversation about whether our justice system, what our, who our justice system is set up to protect. Uh, is it the innocent? It sure isn't the guilty. Uh, it's, it's pretty awesome. I love when all these questions are answered. And what I really find uh, compelling about this particular episode is that we didn't have to sensationalize any of it and still and there are no good answers we don't know if they did the right thing was there a right thing to be done it's not always black and white that gray area is where some great television exists and i think everyone was operating as maybe not you would have or i would have acted although in this case i think i i probably would have followed similar logic to all the characters but they were operating under their own self-interests and how they would at the time. I, I just felt, it felt very honest. It felt grounded. It felt compelling. It felt interesting. I really liked it, Keith, is what I'm getting at. I'm giving it 8.96 spare tires. Whoa, 8.96. Bringing it. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I have a, I, I have a few thoughts, as, as always. Um, first off, it wasn't his adopted mom. It was his abducted mom. Yes. That's what she should be called. Uh, so 
what this episode I think really drove home for me, you know, especially in the first like three seasons, every single episode would end with our heroes sitting around feeling overwroughtly uh, weird about their job. Like, oh, I can't believe we do this. We're defending all these horrible people and blah, 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 blah. Right, right. And like, we have this existential crisis that would happen literally every episode to the point where it got really annoying. And I thought, this episode is actually where they should be doing that. Hmm. Because in this episode, they chose to allow an innocent person to go to jail. Now, usually they're, they are performing a function in our judicial system, and that is giving everybody, including monsters, a fair trial and a zealous defense because that is the oath that they have taken because that is how you protect justice by fighting for everybody. But in this case, they did the opposite and they actually knowingly allowed an innocent person to go to jail for eight years for something they didn't commit. Now, the show kind of fudges it by we know he's a child molester, so we don't feel that sorry for him. But imagine if he wasn't, mm. right? And that is their job as, in the legal system is not to think about that. You can't mm. think about that. It's irrelevant. And and I, I, I think if you really think about what our heroes did, now they can justify it by saying they were following their clients' orders, but I don't know if they necessarily have a, have a right to do that because what their clients want is their client was not either the plaintiff nor the defendant in this case, right? This was a case between the DA's office and this guy. It wasn't a civil case anymore. This was a criminal case. So their, their clients aren't even a party to this trial. So, I'm not sure how they would ethically be allowed not to give the exculpatory evidence other than they're not actually a part of this trial. Like even Bobby's people aren't a part of this trial. So it seems like a, I don't, I don't know exactly what the rules are there, but I, it definitely was pretty icky. And if they're, I don't know. If you're going to have the soul-searching, what-are-we-doing conversation, it's after this. And it's only the fact that we made this character a child molester that we're not like, oh, my God, I can't believe what they just did. But real quick, let me cut in. It's not double jeopardy type of situation, though. There's nothing to preclude Bobby and the team to pursue the DA post-haste and be like, we have this new evidence. Like, we should go after her for kidnapping now. You could do that, right? Well, no. They couldn't because the DAs, the other half of this equation was how Mm. incompetent our DAs were by giving her immunity for practically nothing. I mean, like they didn't even do any research, didn't do anything. Just like, yeah, sure, whatever, because we want this guy so bad. Again, they just terribly stupid work. So she's not prosecutable about this anymore. But at the very least, you don't have to send an innocent person to jail for eight years. And 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 doing it after the fact is, 
you know, the burden of proof on an, on an appeal is even higher. He has to right. prove his innocence, which is a very diff- much more difficult thing to do than to uh, than to prove somebody guilty. And it's and it's just a I don't know. It's just a it, it's an ethical mess that they sort of got themselves into, and we kind of whitewashed. And uh, I, 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 that doesn't mean I didn't like it. Right. It was just an interesting um, situation here where we're we're all about like making uh, Jimmy apologize for his moral failings when, frankly, I think they did a much worse moral thing than what Jimmy did in this. And I'm. I don't remember, but I'll bet you a dollar we pick up next episode as if it never even happened. Yeah, so, it feels like we, part two is as far as we're going to go. I feel like this as far as we're going to go. So, um, Just like, didn't I we sort know. of drop off with the wife who was like threatening to sue and all that, and then we didn't, like first two episodes of the season, then we're like, okay, we're done with that now. I feel we'll pick that up again, but I hope, because otherwise that'd be really weird. Um, but yeah, it's... Not unprecedented. I don't know. It, it, it's, it really was an interesting situation there that I would have liked the show to acknowledge a little bit more. Um, which I understand that they want to keep our heroes likable, but they kind of did them dirty by not addressing it more than they did. You know, because, you know, Bobby, to their credit, they did argue with... Um, with the the actual mother, like you realize what you're doing, but is it really in her hands what happens there? And with all the ways that we've wiggled out of stuff, with all of like the corners we've cut and and ways in which we've ethically, I mean, they they were going to go around it anyway. To and and another thing, like they easily could have found a way to do it, either through proper channels or on improper channels. Like this was just a really, and I get from their standpoint, they're trying to maintain the relationship of the kid and the parents, but is the kid so stupid? Like is the kid incapable of realizing that yes, she, I I experienced her as my mother and I loved her and she was good to me but not able to say like, Oh, she also kidnapped me. Doesn't he have feelings about having been kidnapped? Yeah, you know, and that's, I think that's the part of the, that's another really interesting part of the story that we're not going to get to see, but it's television and we only have an hour, you know, so. 42 minutes, guys, 42 minutes. So, I mean, we have all the time in the world, apparently. So I, I I hear what you're saying because ultimately it's like, are, is, I understand their point. Like, will we, do we have to, Will we sacrifice any potential relationship with him if we let this woman, if if we hold this woman accountable, right? However, you're still leaving your son, who you've already lost 18 years with, in the primary delusion. Custody. Right. Well, custody, yes, but delusion that this woman loves him and cares, which she does in a weird way, but she's a criminal. You know, it's... Yeah. So, so yeah. no one's really acting in good faith for him. No, and 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 isn't he eventually going to think that through and think like, oh my God, my parents not only left me with this woman, but also sent this other man to prison for something he didn't do to like, yeah, I know that lady kidnapped me, but like, who are these people? Do I really want them to be my parents? Like, it's, it, it's, it's a short-term thinking 
with long-term consequences that I don't think they really thought through. Well, put your number on it, and then there's one more thing I want to talk about before we before we outro. Yeah, okay. So I'm going to give it... Uh, I liked it. I liked it. I, I wish that the twist... I wish he had arrived halfway through the previous episode so we had more time to do this. Yeah. I think we spent we spent a lot of time on trying to convict this guy that ended up all sort of being a red herring. So that's my thought. Uh, 7.83. Oh, we really diverge on this one. Uh, the other thing, you know, we didn't talk about in our much in our summations there is Jimmy's, where Jimmy's at. Like, I think it's cool. Yeah. They're retconning, not retconning. I like the, I'm liking the back end of the Jimmy thing much better than the thing itself. Right, sure. I, I just thought that was so ham-fisted, his whole rise to gambleholic that we're learning about, and then the stealing of the money. And it's it does make sense why Eugene's behaving the way he is. What, what I do find interesting is that they've not set up prior to this that Jimmy and Eugene are real close, that this is the friendship of the firm. Yes, we get some of it, but it's not... If you were to ask me prior to this episode, who's best friends with Jimmy in the office? I'd right. probably have said Bobby. Probably, uh, or Rebecca, and it could I could make a case for any of them. For anybody, right, they really, really double down honestly. on Eugene here. But now Jimmy does say he wants to apologize to everybody, but Eugene forbids him to do so. So we're not going to get a moment with Eugene. So it's really, it's really just going to be Jimmy and Eugene. Jimmy's right whole thing is going to be cordoned off to just Eugene, right. So can he really ever make amends for that for that behavior as an addict, or he's just gonna have to keep that one inside? That's he said he wanted to take accountability, and Eugene is not allowing him to do that. Yeah, well, and and Eugene's point that if he were, then he puts because he he's put uh, he's put Bobby and Eugene in an ethically dubious yeah, standpoint so where they have to lie for him. Sure. Yeah. That that he doesn't want. It, it, I understand you don't want to do that to everybody else. Right. You know, like, like, you know, if I've committed a crime and I tell you about it, well, then I've fucked you over. You've got to do, you've got, you've got a tough decision to make. Yeah. I mean, the one thing we come back to a lot on the show and, and it's just, it's part of the, it's TV and it's this show is that <clears throat> we get real selective with our, with our righteousness at times. I'm not excusing Jimmy, but let's not forget Eugene didn't give Bobby the silent treatment for weeks on end when Bobby made Eugene sit in the car and watch him drop a dead baby off at the church. <laughs> we just drove away and, you know, then again, maybe they went and got lunch and that's how you, right after they dropped off the baby, they went and got a hoagie. It's just all about like the sandwiches. Yeah, so I guess, I guess. Sandwiches are healing, guys. <laughs> Speaking of sandwiches, it's time. <laughs> all right, folks. Well, we all could use a sandwich, but you have gotten through. We haven't yet, but you have gotten through <laughs> the practice. Season six, episode five, Vanished, part two. If you would like to join us in the conversation, you can email us at outofpractice at gmail dot, outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at outofpracticepodcast. You can do us a huge favor and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other service of your choice. Let us know. We will read it and gratefully welcome you to the jury. 
This episode of the Out of Practice Podcast is brought to you by our founding sponsors, Jorge Novoa, Cloud Lover 69, Leanne Wrights, Jennifer Masanova, and Kari Kuhn. If you'd like to join them and help me upgrade my already upgraded computer, I don't know what else to do, to be it's honest. Like a space shuttle. I don't you know why it keeps breaking. You can do so by clicking on one of the two show notes by leaving us a one-time donation or a monthly contribution. It's just a few dollars a week. A month? A month. A month. <laughs> Folks, do me a big favor. Oh, with so much time. I really got through that. Did I miss something? No, I think we did it. Hey, listen, folks, here's what I want you to do. I want you to give us a big, hearty laser sounds, but then stop because it didn't record. I'm going to need you to go back a couple days later and say laser sounds again. Laser sounds again. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, bye.